Hey, boomers! Time once again for another episode of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your Sega Sational guide to the world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic. As ever, we are the Humes who are under the misconception that we are in charge. <laughs> I am Chris McFeely. And I'm Dave Fulmer, and I just want to reassure you guys that he doesn't seem to be reading that whole spiel off. I think it's in his brain. At this point, I think it is. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a special issue again this time. We had our birthday issue recently. This is issue 30, a nice round number and one at which, goodness me, I couldn't have predicted we'd get as far as. <laughs> I was going to ask what makes number 30 special, just the fact it's that it's a, a, it's a round, round number. number. <laughs> and th- there's something about it. There's the fact that I, perhaps it's because as I'm editing the podcast, I'm always typing 20-something, 20-something, you know, to get to a 30-something. That's a, It's like a new era. It's like turning a page. Well, anyway, we're on number 30. Enter the comic zone with your Sega favourites, it says here. Still clinging to the Sega favourites. We've still got them for a while. I would have thought that by now we'd be into pure Sonic stuff cover to cover, but no. I mean, very nearly. We're getting there. We've got a cover of Streets of Rage this time. Yep, regular Streets of Rage artist Peter Richardson uh, skates clinging to... Is it like the like a mast or something? Uh, I think it... Ooh, I was going to say a ladder, but there's only one rung. Yeah, and there's a bit sticking out further yeah. as well, yeah. I'm consulting the comic to see what it is he's clinging to yeah, in that Yeah, I can't really tell from the comic either, that's oh, the thing. Oh gosh, no, it's, yes. It's whatever the tallest bit of a big cruise liner it might be. Or is it the upturned rudder? <gasps> is so, it? So yeah, well, these are the mysteries. <laughs> whatever it is, it doesn't seem to be a drawing of the same thing here. <laughs> no, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, no. it looks more like a mast. Oh, I see. Yes, it carries on under the logo. Yes, it's a mast. Mm. And he's pointing at us accusingly because this is quite fittingly, I think, a tie-in for the final episode of Streets of Rage that we have in this issue. Sea of Rage. Skits demands vengeance. Plus pirate STC, tales, news reviews, charts, the Q-Zone, and And more. more. This is issue number 30, cover dated July 22nd, 1994, released on July 9th. There's not much to say in the old control zone this week, is it? Because Megadroid is just describing the strips. And the fact that we've got, um, as I believe they told us last issue, that Mutant League is coming Mm. up next issue. Check out the back cover for more details, which we will later Later on. And they go as far as to say STC has teamed up with Electronic Arts to bring you Mutant League. I found that quite interesting for some reason. (laughs) Well... Has everything else in the comic been a Sega product? Okay, let's think. Um, probably, right? Kid Chameleon is Sega. What about Decap Attack? That one I don't know. I can Google it right now. You could. I'll do that. Yeah, no, it's published by Sega. So maybe this is our first not published by Sega. Yeah. Game. Could be. God, looking at the cover of Decap Attack, it looks like bad fan art. It doesn't it, though? That's the thing. <laughs> the decap attack style of Nigel Kitchings is so burned into us that, that yeah. yeah, looking back at that and looking at the, looking at the game itself, the sprites all look like off-model renditions of Nigel's drawings yeah. of them. <laughs> so, yes, a very perfunctory welcome screen there. And then we have Keep On Bussing. Yep. And they do keep on flipping bussing, don't they, in the control What's this, zone? the third one in a row? Must be, yeah. It's just, yet again, telling us more Sega bus tour dates. Which, again, and we've said this, is useful. Yeah. Well, it's very handy for the editors of this comic because it means that they just have something they can fill up this space with because I guess nothing else was going on. Yeah, Even it doesn't though, help us. Actually, we're a bit later on in the issue. I won't spoil it now, but we're about to get the reveal of, a, of what could have been an extremely significant bit of Sega news, um, which could have gone here. But no, we've got bus dates again. And so scant is this information. There's only five dates. And so they have to fill it up with a photo of the bus, 
a picture in a circle cut out of a bit of the bus, the bit <laughs> yeah. that has Sonic on it, and then just a bit of that, you know, standard bad clip art of Sonic's head in a circle just to fill up the rest of the space. Struggling to fill space, I feel, is a theme that emerges as we go through this <laughs> issue. <laughs> Not in relation to the comic strips, but no. in between that. But we will we'll see as we go. The Virtua Racing in there at number one on the uh, on the Mega Drive, knocking the other sports games down a few pegs. Well, I suppose I'm I'm happy about that, but it means that Sonic Three is down to four. Mm. I, I'm I'm intent on continuing to track the journey of Sonic Three. I've been so disappointed so far. Well, this is five months after it came out at this point. Okay, but it's not that many issues. Uh, (laughs) And apparently I'm measuring in issues. Doesn't that be nearly ten issues? What? Really? God. Five months. Somewhere between eight and and ten issues. Okay, that's fine, but it's just the fact that it's losing to all these sports games. And I don't really count virtual racing as a sports game, and actually it looks kind of cool and I wish I'd played it. Yeah, no, but but, um, I mean, on the grand ladder of games, um, racing games really are only one rung above sports games. Exactly. And not only have we got FIFA International Soccer at number two, we've got PGA European Flipping Tour Golf at three. What possible human can exist who finds a golf game on the Mega Drive more enticing than Sonic 3? Listen, all I can say is we owned it in our house and we didn't own Sonic 3, so we were were part of the problem. Ah, you boring bastards. Why? (laughs) What was the the motivation for that? I don't remember how we came upon it. I think was maybe the idea was that it was for my daddy. Because he was a golfer. It does. Oh, well, yes, it feels like a dad game, doesn't it? Yes, I, I but I don't think you really believe... played it. Well, no, of course not. That's the thing about dads. You get them interested in a game and then they ever go once and that's it. But uh, the, I can't believe there are enough dads in the country to make PGA <laughs> European Tour Golf number three. Enough dads in the country, certainly, but not who'd be interested in Mega Drive games. <laughs> yeah, What's going on? What's going on? I, I wish I knew. Some people presumably like golf yeah but they can't be the demographic for the mega drive i don't know man i wish i could explain it yeah we need to interview some people but we we have been reading this comic for 30 years now yeah 30 years i mean that is true we have i meant to say 30 issues but 30 (laughs) years is also correct nearly and um well we've been doing this podcast for 30 years because several of the months we've been doing it have been during quarantine yeah yeah and we can't escape the stench of sports that wafts across its pages constantly. No. So, who knows? No. Maybe young people liked sports back in the 90s. Yeah, and also the writers of STC liked uh, sports, because look what's in at number seven. It's Cool Sport. Ah, I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> A re-entry at number seven. Cool, cool Sport. sport. <laughs> Doe. <laughs> Doe. <laughs> he must be a sad sport now. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you mean he's joined a monastery. Yeah. (laughs) Metamorphia, written by Lou Stringer. (laughs) Art by Mike Hadley, colours by John M. Burns, letters by Ellie DeVille. Amy's a little jealous when Sonic is quick to come to the aid of a female Mobian, claiming her home, the Grim Zone, has been taken over by a monster. Speeding onto the scene, Sonic is taken unawares when the girl turns out to be the monster, a shape-shifting servant of Dr. Robotnik's named Metamorphia. 
After escaping the retro-block prison Metamorphia locked him in, Sonic pursues the shapeshifter across the zone, and is almost fooled when she adopts the form of Tails to trick him. But her inability to fly leads to her taking a fall into a fiery pit. Thinking her done for, Sonic returns home, but Metamorphia survives to plot another day. Hey, it's Lou Stringer! It's Lou Stringer! Hiya, Lou! Yeah! After a strong debut on Sonic the Booster Mag number 5 the previous month, this is his first strip for uh, STC proper, and yeah. he'll basically be the number two writer. And it'll be the yeah. number one writer for a while uh, yes. towards the end of its life. That's right. I was a bit concerned at first, because this one starts off relatively weak, but then all sorts of cool ideas start showing up. Right, there is a lot going on in this. This is... Yeah punchy as all yeah. heck like the reveal of the the girl being metamorphia happens at the end of the third page less than mm. halfway into the strip so we get like we get the setup we get the ambush where some soldier badniks attack him and metamorphia reveals herself then we have a fight a defeat he's imprisoned he escapes the prison we have a chase we have another trick we have an epilogue and we have a cliffhanger teaser as well then it's jam-packed <laughs> yeah and now yes lou is so okay so lou stringer's a veteran of yes. the sort of uh, he's a cartoonist and he is a mm -hmm. veteran of the you know one page gag strips of the yes. sort i knew him from tom thug in um well apparently tom thug was from oink but i didn't know him from oink i knew him from buster i knew him from combat, combat colin, colin. In transformers yeah so that's who lou though at the time i didn't realize mm. that no lou no stringer writing this was the guy who wrote combat colin Do you know the way that i found out about any of this was that uh, one day while reading buster uh, as, as a kid i sort of went oh i wonder i know who makes stc i wonder who makes buster and i happened to have um a page of tom thug open so i looked for a credit or a signature and lou had signed it so i was like oh it's lou stringer flipping egg and then i went through are the all comics made by the same <laughs> one person <laughs> yeah and then i went through the rest of the comic and actually lou was the only one credited or si or oh. who signed his work so i wasn't able to find out who anyone else was yeah that's who lou is and, and it shows that he is used to cramming a lot into a small mm. space, but he's got more space to play with here, although, you know, fewer panels overall than he's usually used to. And it doesn't feel rushed at no. all, we should stress no. that. You know, it, it, it's just punch, 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 punch. There's one or two things happening every page. Yeah, and yet there's room to stretch your legs a little bit. Yeah. You know, the first two pages are sort of a conversation in the Green Hill Zone, as it were, or Emerald, wherever they are. Yeah, Emerald the, Hill Zone. they even have time to have like a setup yeah. like i mean it, there's a reason i think it becomes apparent that lou was the guy who did the one shots and maybe two parters in between mm. the big kitching and elson stretches because he had real talent for it trouble is i never really liked this one as a kid no no and it's purely because of metamorphia's design i never liked it i was always a fan of uh, shape-shifting villains yes so i latched on to metamorphia right away but this was my problem with her design you see so you've got the two versions of metamorphia first there's the girl version who shows up yes. and says oh sonic help and there's just no escaping it she has the most horrifying eyes possible. yes i don't know what is going on there it's like her eyes are white slits set in black 
um, I don't know if it's supposed to be the idea is like they're just black patches of fur like an animal might have around its eyes. Yeah. And her eyes are like permanently closed in the Brock from Pokemon style. Yeah, could be, could be. I and mean, they're not even that, per- like the first two panels that we see here, they're actually not all the way closed. Oh, but, yeah, no, yeah. But right. for the majority of the time, yeah, she has black eyes, which could indeed be patches, but they're the same shape and size as, for instance, like, say, Tails' eyes, although he's got the the joined eyes in this particular strip well i always read them as eyelids anyway i think when you look at yeah. where the eyelids where the eyelashes seem to emerge from them well true but you're right there and i agree with that but i don't know they to my first glance anyway they appear just like eyes that are black with white oh they're definitely off-putting Do yeah not they're really off-putting and they've yeah sometimes they've got white pupils but most of the time they've got white slits they are the most mm. evil they could possibly look and then that if that was the clue and we're supposed to as comics readers go okay you know that uh, that's sort of almost non-diegetic you know we'll allow in in the way that actually this goes back to a complaint we've had before about other sonic stuff where people are able to mistake the likes of metal sonic and shadow for sonic and i think as a reader stroke player stroke viewer you are supposed to just accept that we can see better than they can somehow because of us as the audience being played to if that's the way we're reading this i i can accept that okay they can't see how horrifying her eyes are in the same way we can the problem is that i then take that okay it's a clue that she's going to be the monster it was no surprise that she was the monster and when she's the monster it's just her again but taller you know it's yeah it's not too interesting whenever yeah they make it so that her like goody cutesy Mm. civilian disguise is just a a smaller cutesified version of her true monstrous form when you're a shapeshifter you can be anything you can be anything yeah but it's not too unusual for like cartoons and comic strips to go that route so it never bothered me you know no she just basically she looks like a bit of a well a bit of a werehog sort of a character really she's just a sort of a a weretails you can't really tell what she is in this like later issues will give her a much more because well i suppose we should say it right now like metamorphia would be would be one of like the most notable like Mm, what c-list original characters created for um for sonic the comic lou would bring her back in multiple occasions yeah. over, over the over the years um and later appearances by the character yeah would give her a sort of a more feline aspect i think people generally think she's a bobcat or something oh right. but, but here she looks like a the the civilian version she looks like a little bear, little bear little, definitely a little, little bear. round ears yeah but um then when she, she just gets sort of bigger and saggier and Noblier? Well, don't we all? <laughs> we can all relate to that. It's those knobbly legs of hers. Those were the things that really grossed oh, me yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're covered in welts of some sort. Yeah. I mean, I don't hold any of that against this strip. To my mind, it's all pretty standard shapeshifter storytelling fare. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's no. I, I don't have any real problem with that. I just... I didn't like the design. She has such a strange crooked mouth she has the the in her monster form her eyes are a sonic style monogoggle but with this kind of like yorkshire television v of white oh i love the v of white i love sli- the eyes oh, really yeah. I don't. yeah yeah oh i love it it's like it's so inhuman it's like she's got one big v-shaped pupil that zips across her eyes i love it uh, no, i'm big into it if she was a robot i would like it but she's not so i'm i'm stuck going like what is that um, well, she's a she's a she's the hideous product of some kind of awfulness, anyway. Really <laughs> well, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> we don't get an origin for her here, anyway. But um, uh, so you've always uh, thought of her as manufactured in some way, have you? Um, uh, not manuf, uh, not well. 
she's not i don't think she's a natural being she's right. I, I but i don't think she's literally given life in a laboratory or anything i think she was she was probably somebody who got mutated maybe uh, or i don't know hard to say i, never I don't, thought, I never thought of her as like an, an an artificial life form or anything like that i never thought about it either way she's just she just is mm. um so maybe future stories of some more hints i'm yeah. not sure so in these first few pages anyway um I'm, I, I was a bit off-put at first, because I didn't like the design of this main character. I think back in the day, also, I was kind of adjusting to, to Lou's voice, but also now I see that he was adjusting to Sonic's, as it were. Yeah, he's he's a bit more abrupt than usual, I think, Sonic's. The way Sonic carries himself in this one. Oh. But then we get to page four, and a series of interesting ideas starts up. The first is that Metamorphia... Turns into a gas. Love it. Love everything about it, yeah. And it's a gas that puts Sonic to sleep. That's really cool. That yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of any other time when I've heard of like a shape-shifting character becoming something you can inhale and it affects you. Except, oh wait, I've thought of one. The germ in the Sword in the Stone. <laughs> Madam, I have not disappeared. I am very tiny. I'm a germ. A rare disease. I'm called Malagalitamopterosis. And you caught me, Mim! What? <laughs> right, well, that's a, a random pool. But yeah, she's not the kind of shapeshifter who just uh, changes her physical shape to look like different yeah. people. Like, she turns into a gas, as you say. A specific then... gas that has a particular effect. Not just that she's going to billow off. It's a particular yeah, yeah. chemical compound she becomes. A knockout gas, <laughs> yeah. as it were. And then uh, uh, later in the story, then she turns into a rocket to yeah. to fly off and escape. And uh, we didn't mention it in the summary, but at the very end of the story, she she falls into a fiery pit. But she survives by simply assuming a flame proof form. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, she's got all the. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> she's great. But but then when she the reason she falls into the fiery pit is because even though she has assumed Tails's form, yes. she can't fly using her tail she doesn't have tails's unique like double jointedness or whatever it is that well this is the thing and and this is the first time given how little credit tails has been given in his own strip in the last couple of issues we have this wonderful moment where yeah she's in disguise as tails sonic clocks it so when she does a big flying karate kick towards him he basically jumps out of the way she falls into the lava and sonic says Bad luck, Metamorphia. Imagine having Tails' form without his flying skill. And here we see Sonic privately, on his own, to himself, giving Tails a lot of credit, having a lot of respect for his mate. It's only when they're together that he rips the piss. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he never... Like like he says, to, whenever Metamorphia reveals her true self, because both Tails and Amy have been a little suspicious yes. of Metamorphia when she turns up in her civilian form. I mean, I, it's a bit more harsh-edged than usual, but I do still get a bit of a chuckle out <laughs> of the, the back-and-forth sass between sonic and amy yeah you know oh yeah amy, it, like sonic's already turned down amy's invitation to go out for a cola <laughs> so then whenever this cute little bobcat bear thing <laughs> comes up um and amy says i'd like a word sonic provided you're not too busy uh, she's not to be trusted i have a feeling and sonic goes yeah it's called jealousy amy <laughs> And then Tails actually tries to back Amy up, um, so he leaves them behind, goes off on his own. But then whenever Metamorphia reveals herself, he says, Tails and Amy were right, you're not such a nice girl after all. And it's like, yeah, he'd only admit that now when they're not here. <laughs> because at the very end, like, again, and again, this is so Lou showing his, like, uh, yeah. comedy short-form writing chops. <laughs> 
after um, Metamorphia has fallen into a fiery pit, he comes back to the Emerald Hill Zone and, and uh, Amy says, You're on your own. Your new girlfriend, chuck you. And Sonic says, No, actually, she fell for me in a big way. Hey. But she's just an old flame now. Hey. And it's like, you could have stopped at one, but yeah. you went in for that second comedy punch. <laughs> Good old Lou. That's great. But then, uh, going back to my uh, page four kicks off interesting ideas thing, then we get this fascinating prison sequence where yeah. Sonic is in the, what was it called? The retro, retro block, block. Which is just a, a cube of prison. You know, grey stone walls, bars on a window, that sort of thing. But what it does is it basically reflects back whatever's done to it. So when hmm. Sonic tries to spin attack his way out, the equal force hits back at him and sends him flying back into the cell, back across the room. And so, you know, within the same page, he figures it out immediately. He just goes, oh, I'm just going to relax and stay in this prison forever. And the whole thing explodes. <laughs> I like to imagine it is that Sonic's natural inherent coolness yes. is just too much for the <laughs> is so great that when reversed back, it has explosive force. Yeah. Blows the block open. That's really cool. I love it's that. It's absolute nonsense, but yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's just fun. <laughs> it's funny. But to also be honest, an interesting it, concept. It's not the kind of rules you would tend to see Sonic the Comic Stories playing by often. No. And this is like one of Lou's very first ones. He wouldn't take this approach too often, unless the strip itself were actively comedic. Yeah. Uh, which this one isn't. Which, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious by what we're saying. But And Lou would write some like actively just straight up comedic Sonic strips in the future. But this one is uh, it's a pretty. I think it's a pretty great debut, honestly, on the main strip. Yeah. Sounds like it's a bit tainted for you by Metamorphia herself, but uh, but the story itself has so much fun stuff happening in it. Yeah, I th- this is the I enjoyed it so much more as an adult, I think, than I did as a kid because purely the design of Metamorphia. It's not. I think I've lent too hard on saying that, like in her cute form, she's terrifying, and in her terrifying form she's not but at the time it just felt a bit oh we've got a whole this whole strip is going to be about this character and i don't really like the look of it but now that i've kind of i'm reading it properly it i'm, I'm much more fond of it and you know I, I guess i'm criticizing the artist for the design but the rest of the art is fine i, I love the sort of different colored bubbles in the suspension beam that the mm. retro block is suspended in that's cool curious inconsistencies with the robotnik's though <laughs> Yes, exactly. That first page. Yes, Sonic pops open. Well, I, I guess it's supposed to be like a capsule at the end of a zone from from any one of the yes. games. Um, though it is awfully strange to see fully clothed animals popping yeah, out of one, one of those canisters. One flicky coming out, and then a load yeah. of like guys in jumpers and trousers, dungarees even. Yeah, yeah. And emblazoned on the side of that capsule, then is old-style Robotnik head. Yeah, and it's not just because, you know, whenever I see that, my first inclination is to go, oh, well, this was drawn a little bit earlier or mm. that artist hadn't seen the new design. That was, I mean, that was my gut reaction because then when they arrive in the Grim Zone, they're briefly ambushed by... Again, just oh, a, a yeah. little note about how much is going on in this. It's not that they get to the Grim Zone whereupon Metamorphia reveals herself. We also managed mm. to work in an ambush by some trooper badniks. God, Lou, how'd you fit yeah. this in? I'm going to study this. I know. And in this case, like, Hadley has definitely referenced, like, some early Elson issues. Yeah. Because these badniks have Robotnik's face on their chest. And it's the old-style Robotnik face again. You get the sense, generally, that he's referencing 
uh, older Elson strips with this one, I think. Yeah. So we have these two old-style Robotniks, and you just assume, yeah, he's just using outdated reference, and, and that's what... But then, when Metamorphia knocks Sonic out by turning into gas, she radios Dr. Robotnik, and we get one panel of Robotnik receiving her message, and it is the, the correct, current, modern Robotnik. And a rather good drawing of him it is, too, I thought. Not sure what it is about it, but um, she's good. She's just like it. <laughs> Do I have to justify myself to you? No, you don't, Chris. You, you, I'm going to give you a free pass on that one. Well, they're still flesh toned, so yep. Sonic's eyelids watch. Oh, do we is, only uh, do we only boop boop when it changes? I tend to only do it that way now. Yes, <laughs> now that now that we know they're supposed to be flesh tones, right. it's, it's the aberrations that I feel are <laughs> worthy of noting. Okay. <laughs> Though, speaking of eyes, do you see that he has drawn tails with a monogoggle? Yes, I did. Mm. Yeah. it's And it doesn't look too out of place, either. I don't know if it's just no. his style lends itself to it. But Well, that's the thing. It's not... The it, the Sonic style of monogoggle was sort of unusual, although it had precedent in, you know, early days Mickey Mouse and so yeah. on. But the sort of eyes that they're giving tails here, that loads of cartoon characters were drawn like that. Yeah. So that's no surprise. Do you see last panel, page six... The complete absence of tails. Oh, gosh, yes. On that is tails. The, yes, the yes. appendage, not the character. Not yeah. the character. Huh. That's, oh, that's something of an oversight, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Oh, well. At least that AI didn't notice, but apparently <laughs> you did. I think I remember noticing it back in the day. I mean, look, it's easy to do. We've all done it. Have you never drawn a tails and forgotten to draw his tails? Because I certainly have. I mean, I can't remember any instances, but I also couldn't tell you the last time I drew a tails. So. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. When, when would that have been? But I can certainly, I can still feel the shape of, the, you know, what it's like to draw his tails, you know. Curl them round there, decide whether or not they're going round his arm. <laughs> yeah, so all in all, I think this is a cracking one. Yeah. It's a good one. I've changed my mind on this. And something that I'm, I suppose, a little bit concerned about sometimes is when I'm being nice about something in Sonic the Comic and I say that I prefer it now than when I was a kid. Because I actually think that's a bit of a mean thing to say because, of course, they were trying to make it entertaining for kids. And that was their aim. Yeah, but you were an abnormal wee one. Ah, there we go. That's what we'll lean <laughs> like on. Like yes. me! A pedantic fusspot, I think, is what <laughs> yeah. I was. Um, I probably did notice Tails' Tails missing uh, back then. But uh, yeah, no, the, this one, I, I really enjoyed it now, and I, I really admire the craft of cramming mm. so much stuff in. Um, that's the that's what really jumps out at me, is the storytelling like craft at work. It, it, it's, I would say this is probably the... Would we go so far as to say like this is the best example of how to tell a complete story in seven pages huh. that we've had in the strip so far. I'm tempted to agree with you there. Like, there have been ones that were exciting that we remember, like the origin yeah. of Sonic or, or Super Sonic. Um, but if they didn't end on cliffhangers that were actively designed to lead into the second part of the story... I mean, this has a little teaser at the end, but... You know, yeah, but only a general... But on, only in yeah. a sort of dun-dun-dun, question mark yeah. sort of ending that doesn't... It doesn't mean, the story back. is over. You don't. It's not part yeah. one of two parts or anything. Yeah, so the big examples of single-part stories that I'm thinking of are ones that were building upon a previous idea or, uh, you know, your megatoxis or, yeah. uh, or or setting up something, your origins of Sonic or your back to realities. That's essentially a two-part story, you know. And then all the single-parters are just Mark Miller larking around otherwise. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, 
This is a really good one. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it probably helps also that Lou has, I'm pretty sure, based on the poster, Mike, that he's definitely like looking back at what's been done already, trying to match the tone and style of the comic that has been laid down already. So then he's able he's able to take, instead of having to invent it as he goes, like previous issues had done, he's got all that laid out for him and he can come in and bring his own unique approach to telling a story to it and succeed yeah. so well at it. Yeah. So much stuff. Just the right amount of silly. Just the right amount of funny. Just the right amount of action-y. A welcome debut for Lou Stringer, then. Refuse! Refuse! This issue, we've got Art of Fighting, Body Count, and McDonald's Treasure Land, all on the Mega Drive. Mm. Art of Fighting, it's a remarkably generic-looking uh, fighter. Mm. It's, you know, the latest in the Street Fighter is popular series. Apparently, you have to battle your way across town taking on mean and vicious fighters in your quest to save Ryo's sister. There's a lot of Ryo's and Ryu's in gaming, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. As a series, it seems to be fairly well regarded. They've, they've only given it... Oh no, oh. I submitted to peer pressure and said they've only given oh, it 75, uh, when in reality 75 should be quite good, yeah. but uh, yeah, they've given it 75 here, but it seems to be a quite a well-regarded series anyway. Okay. And 75 for body count too, which is... Vincent Lowe wrote all three of these um, yeah. reviews, and... The body count one sort of gives over. Uh, a, this is a shoot 'em up with a light gun, and it just sort of gives over her a paragraph or two to sort of explaining the idea of shooting with a gun. In order to play, you have to place a cursor accurately over the aliens and goodies that fly across the screen, then proceed to hit the trigger. Do you? That's how you shoot. Do you really? That's how you <laughs> shoot, is it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, Vincent ends his body count review with a guarantee that we will be given physical pain by this experience, um, that it will hurt us. Here we are. Uh, you are guaranteed a very, very sore trigger finger and aching arm at the end of play. And I think he means that is good. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, but I don't like the sound of oh. that. <laughs> oh, we're advertised. This, is, this harkens back to a lot of um, my, my beloved Dizzy games. They used to review, in good reviews, they used to say, oh, very frustrating, very, very frustrating. And I remember thinking, well... Oh, I, hope I don't want to be frustrated. McDonald's Treasureland, in fact called McDonald's Treasureland Adventure, as they would know if they'd looked at the screenshot where it says that. Oh yeah, there it is. This just seems to be, you know, a tie-in platformer, platformer about thing. Ronald McDonald. One thing I'll say for it, having looked at the uh, video, mm. it looks and sounds quite good. Graphics, well, I can't I tell you what the... I thought so, yeah. Oh, it yeah. looks quite pretty. Yeah, it is. Uh, gra- uh, Gameplay-wise, I couldn't tell you, but... Uh, mm. The graphics are good. The music is, you know, it's like a sort of jazzier version of um, World of Illusion. I, I can't help but wonder, because of the fact that it's a, a tie-in with a, what was at the time children's property of McDonald's, whether this would have been an, a good companion piece to World of Illusion. Perhaps it would, but perhaps it wouldn't have stood up against it. Mm. He says early on, You could say that the format at the beginning of Treasure Land is akin to putting together a burger. You have the meat or veggie burger. Defensive. But what's required is the cheese and a bun. Only in this game, Ronald McDonald starts off with one section of a treasure map. His mission, therefore, is to battle his way through treasure land. The, the metaphor is like, like, 
Yeah. Vincent Lowe is so bored. It's a, it too, honestly. He can't properly express opinions and he's reduced to describing <laughs> the options menus. Like, he used to be able to give opinions, but but whenever, even in Body Count here, it's about the options menu. It's like, options include three levels of difficulty, a choice of gun, and a two-player mode. He's desperate for something <laughs> in the McDonald's one. And he, so he's liking the idea of collecting missing pieces in a game to be I guess it's the component of like a burger. making a burger, I suppose. Uh, McDonald's, I guess. I guess. Like, oh, Flavor it, text, anybody? For a moment, I genuinely stared at it, trying to figure out if the aim of the game is you, you know, you battle your way across different yeah. worlds to find a bun. <laughs> <laughs> the components of a bun. Like, credit to the McDonald's game in that that's not what it was. Because yes. given that the components of a Big Mac are so multitudinous, yeah. your bun, lettuce, cheese, two old beef yeah. patties, special sauce on a set, <laughs> etc., um, you could get there's enough ingredients in a Big Mac that you could make each one a level that be the item that you get at the end of the level and then the burger is the completed thing at the end the really weird thing is that he he didn't even have as much to actually go on as you might expect because I've looked up the game I've had a look at a video of it and what you are collecting are the four parts of a treasure map as he also implies here but so I was like okay so you're finding these four parts of a treasure map Nowhere in any information about this game could I find any description of what the treasure is that you're looking for, because you're collecting, like, what we would call treasure along the way. There's a lot of treasure to catch, and that's... In fact, it says in the wiki, the collection of magical jewels and gold bars, the former of which are needed for advancement, the latter of which can be used to buy items. So it's not just jewels and gold bars, what's the treasure? So I, I got up a long play, and I skipped to the end. And what happens when you beat the last boss and get the last piece of the treasure is... The text, produced by Treasure, appears on screen, and sure enough, the game was made by a company called Treasure. And then, you just see a picture of the McDonald Land cast, and it says, you know, well done. And you never see any more. You never find out what the you treasure map is You complete the treasure map. That's it. And that's the end. There's you don't not, follow the map to the treasure. Not so much as a picture of him with some treasure. Nothing. And and this, now, I've, I've you know... Apart from that, I've said quite good things about my, what this game looks like. I've previously mentioned that I was a, an active enjoyer of Mick and Max Global Gladiators. So that's two McDonald's yes. games I think are good. That one had quite an involved intro. That I think I don't think Global Gladiators would have shirked on showing us him getting the treasure, and there'd have been a joke as well. It it would have been something silly or or some sort of twist on the collection of treasure. You know, it would have been a burger or something like that for him to then eat and enjoy. I, I don't know. Does what. Ronald McDonald? eat burger or does Ooh. he merely supply them oh there's a thought because we definitely know that just from he's friends with a burger just from 1980s adverts we know that he is friends not only with you know giant burger mayor mccheese or he is at least governed by him i don't know if they <laughs> consider themselves friends but... and, and any other burger characters there may be i think wasn't the policeman a burger as well Ooh, i have no idea i think he was but also they had little burger little hamburger people that were just burgers that flapped their mouths open and closed but also he definitely was pictured serving up burgers and fries and so on to children so he he definitely befriends and then, I mean, let's let's make it as friendly as possible. Waits for the natural death of his friends and then <laughs> serves them up for the consumption of his human children friends. He's a complex figure, Ronald McDonald. It's probably why they had to retire him. Too many questions <laughs> being asked. Sweets of Rage. 
Skates' Story, Part 6, written by Mark Miller, art by Peter Richardson, letters by Tom Frame. The Princess Grace is blown to bits by Mr. X's bomb hurling both the villain and our heroes into the water. Clinging to a piece of debris, Skates aims a flare gun at Mr. X, ready to claim revenge for his father, but Axel, Blaze and Max manage to convince him not to become a killer. After the survivors are rescued, it turns out that the computer nerd whose aid Skates enlisted earlier had backed up Murphy's disc, and the information on it is used to bring Mr. X to trial. The day is won, but the war on crime continues, and Skates is ready to help our heroes fight it. I'm glad you knew who that was at the end, because I certainly didn't. Oh, you didn't remember the guy pinned under the skate shoe? I remembered that someone was, but evidently their smushed up face didn't map to this person being randomly interviewed about having made a copy of the disc. Well, um, we're going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yes, I, I agree with you. I think that's who it is, but I was very confused at the time. I mean, obviously it is. I guess. I mean, <laughs> the fact that they can back up discs. Yeah. Only nerds. Only know how to nerds. Do that. I keep forgetting that Mark Only Miller rich believes. white nerds yeah. know how to do that. I tell you what put me off. It's the fact that this nerd says, yeah, I made a backup copy of this. My pop says it pays to be organized. So I was distracted going, like, oh, who's, who's your pop? What character am mm. I supposed to know about there? And uh, I don't think you are, are you? No, he's just some nerd. Yeah. Well, whoever his pop is, he drives him to school, the rich scumbag. <laughs> Do you know, I've realised, as you've been defining what sort of child has a computer in 1993, I was getting driven to school. So was I. And I had a computer. I didn't have a computer in 1993. But <laughs> <laughs> So that's me. And, you know, it's not a million miles off a drawing of me, actually, is it? <laughs> you've got better glasses. Well, but did I in 1993? Good question. <laughs> I think that's a very familiar drawing. I think actually, I think Peter Richardson has actually found a photograph of me and drawn it there. <laughs> Use that as your uh, twit pick avatar yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, besides that, yeah, this, this is a pretty good one again. I thought. Yeah, I, I to me this is a so game of two halves because yeah, there's basically two big scenes that yes. are dominated by very large panels on the page. There's yeah. not as much content happening in this one That's as it. there have been in previous uh, issues. It's just what happens next. Yeah, and the first of those two halves I thought was really cool because yeah. it mostly has to do with skates. You know, in in that moment where the person is aiming a gun at someone, and are they going to? you know, undermine their own goodness by shooting this person, even though they have so much reason to do it. Um, mm. You know, it's kind of, it's the, the end of Seven, as it were, um, yes. predicted here in Sonic the Comic. But then the rest of it was quite a protracted, okay, now the comic's ended. Which, the thing is, that's fine. It's not, there's nothing wrong with the speed at which the comic ends. And if you ended any differently, you would either have a whole issue of ending and therefore nothing, or a too abrupt ending. But because... Uh, it's purely just that uh, it could fit into maybe four pages instead of the five. So they just yeah. do these very large panels to, to pull it out to five pages in length. Yeah. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. It's yeah. actually, I really like it's great. getting to see big Peter Richardson panels, don't you? Yeah, oh yeah. And um, yeah, but something about the fact that the uh, the ending takes up half of the story kind of made me feel as if uh, it's difficult for me to give 
a re- an overall review to this episode because the first half gets a very strong review for me and the, and the second half is just yeah whatever yeah just crossing the i's and dotting the t's <laughs> yeah i do love you're right though the bit at the start here with skates and the gun particularly the close-up panel at the bottom of page two where it zooms in on his eyes as he thinks yeah. about what he's gonna do is he gonna do it yeah I, i'm not sure what it is about it but it's got really nice lighting actually yeah. maybe it's what it is I, I really like the harsh lighting you see how he's for, for the um i don't know if it's the moonlight or the spotlight reflecting off the water but um he just hasn't used any color at all it's just the unpainted white page there's a real depth to it a real sense of three dimensions to like the the, the hard arch of his brow the, the shadows underneath his eyebrows mm. and it's really just a really nice panel it's just a book's eyes but i really like it i don't know why it spoke to me it's really cool but the part that i was the most interested in last issue is how do they resolve this thing where uh, everyone's on a big boat and that boat's got a big bomb on it <laughs> you know, I couldn't help but wonder, yes, we saw it was strapped to a man, the man was strapped to a toilet, and we saw an explosion. Part yep. of me was going, will there be a twist? What Did we not explode a man's guts? But no, we did. No, they we exploded, exploded a guy. man's guts. Now, he is the only explicitly exploded person in this. Exactly. The first panel, which is half of the first page, is a giant explosion which seems to take up more of the ship than it looked like in the previous <laughs> yeah. issue. I think the implication is most of, if not all, the ship is basically blown up. But it is a kid's comic, so we're high above and people are just scattered. They're thrown up into the air by the explosion and they're flying everywhere, you know, thrown rather than killed and, and injured. Yeah. But um, But still with an incredible force and violence that doesn't undermine the fact that a bomb went yeah. off. It uh, it has its like people have died. Yeah, they just don't talk about the fact people have died. Yeah, the, the people who have died are the ones who went like I don't know down into the yeah. sea. The, the, <laughs> the ones we're seeing going up above, they're going to be alive. The people we see bobbing about in the water, they I think are all going to be survivors. But the ones who are dead, we just they're just they're just gone. There's nothing left of them. But yeah, that is kind of it, isn't yeah. it? That's... Yeah, our epilogue is just. Uh... Well, I, I do like the scene where, um, you know, basically things are tied up in a news report that reveal, again, quite quite a, a, a cinematic tactic, yeah. and a movie tactic, where a news reporter explains that the kid made a backup of the disc and Mr. X and all these corrupt cops have been arrested. And in fact, I'm just realising now, it looks very Dark Knight Returns. Mm. As I remember, it's been a long time since I read that, but there's a lot of news reports in that. Done in the same way as this, the inset TV screens with bulging edges, and in fact, even the scratchy art style, I now realise may be influenced by that. But I like the bit at the end then, where the news anchor says, reporters asked if he planned to follow in his stepfather's footsteps. And then we, we cut to skits replying to the reporter's microphones all around in his face. And he says, become a cop like my dad? In this stinking city? You gotta be kidding. And then he skits off. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the end of the story is that they've managed to take down the corrupt police department. Um, so now they gotta go after the, the crooks on the streets. Yeah. And uh, and Skates agrees to uh, to join them. You'll know where to find him. On the streets, he says, as he then skates off again. <laughs> yeah, he's always skating off. <laughs> he's always constantly leaving somewhere. The last thing you ever hear Skates say to you is said from far away. What? <laughs> <laughs> so does this then resolve the STC strips as having been prequel to the games, or at least the second game? Um... Are they about to head to the streets and start beating up criminals well, there? Maybe. 
be. I never thought of it like that. You could be right. Yeah, mm. maybe, maybe, yeah, this is just where Skates comes from. So then Skates will help our heroes yeah. going into Streets of Rage 2, yeah. ignoring the, the game story about Adam being his brother and the aim being to rescue him and everything. But I never thought of it like that, but you could well be right. Because I think we're pretty sure that Mark Miller wrote these strips before Boogie and off into the middle distance to go and write comics with Grant Morrison. <laughs> yes, the, very much the last thing he said to Megadroid was said from a pair of skates. You'll know where to find me! <laughs> on the streets! Bye! <laughs> what? <laughs> so, now that we're at the end of the second Streets of Rage, I, wh what do we think? I'm a fan. Yeah. I really like it. It's by far and away the best Mark Miller comic I've ever read. <laughs> it is. No, I can believe you. For sure. I mean, I don't even know if he's written, like, better ones or not. I don't... Because I know that he's a celebrated writer, but I don't know whether that's because he'll say rude words and things or if it's because he's written, like, incredibly good comics. But mm. this... More a case, I like to say Mark Miller wrote some very of-their-time comics at exactly the right time. I can't tell you whether or not I would enjoy this as much if it was a standalone release, nothing to do with Sonic the Comic, sure. and I just read it as its own thing. Can't tell you that. It is its context within the wider body of Sonic the Comic that makes me so fond of it, but I am fond of it. How do you think this one stacks up against the first one? Um, Difficult to make a judgment about which is better, because I think of them as, as quite different things. The first mm. one was purely out to be a surprising action movie yeah. in an incongruous place whereas this one it doesn't this genuinely seems to try to be to have a bit of pathos to it at times yes we're thinking both here of the scene with skates in his apartment back in well, part two was it i think culminating in this one yeah yeah, yeah. these are our moments of there, there's there's actual stakes and, and emotions at play here in this one instead of just big silly broad action movie well even though that is a pretty big general sort of action movie trope oh don't do it you'll become as bad as he is you know um although although really the in this case the implication seems to be like if you kill him you'll go to jail so don't <laughs> seems yes. to be the reason it's like what what is it blaze shouts up at him uh, mr x has already destroyed one life don't let him destroy yours so it's less you'll become as bad as he is and more yeah you'll go inside mate yeah but then they are cops and that will be one of the ways they that were they were cops sorry they were cops that, I think this... I, I love Streets of Rage. I'm going that far. I think it's well, really cool. I, I really enjoyed it too. You definitely weren't sure coming back into it all the way back in issue number no. seven. Uh, I, I remembered enjoying it in that cheeky childish sort of, uh, ooh, what am I... I'm getting away with something by reading this sort of approach. Yeah. Um, and there there is definitely some of that in the second... In, in fact, like some of the moments in this second serial have probably topped the moments from the first serial. Skates getting thrown in the trunk of a corrupt cop car to go and be executed gangland style by a guy who then instead guns down the corrupt police officers. Yeah. You know, in response to the shotgun death of his own father. That's a lot of stuff versus some of the stuff that... You know, I mean, yes, yes, the first serial did have a drug lord uh, uh, cap his minion in the head in the middle of the street. That did also happen. <laughs> But this one, yeah, there's actual meat and emotions happening in and around this as well. So yeah, I think I probably do put this one above the first. But the first one is so much fun as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised just how much we have enjoyed this. And it's, we're yeah. talking as if it's over, but well, the different creators do the next one. Yes, I suppose Mark Miller's run on it is over. Um, yes. Although, and, and I was going to ask, is this it for Mark Miller and STC? 
But I've looked it up and it's not. We'll see him again a few times. A few times? I remember one time. And that's definitely an old inventory story they've wheeled out. Well, they may all be, but there are three more Mark Miller stories moving forwards, the last of which is in issue 73. And then we just sort of petered out and didn't record a satisfying conclusion to this whole affair. News It's here, Dave. Here it is, finally, for reals. The 32 acts after all these little teases that we've got yeah. in past issues. We just get a nice clear picture of it plugged into a Mega Drive. There it is. It's going to be £150, and you're going to be able to get Virtua Racing, Doom, and Super Star Wars for it. Yes. 24 megabit cartridges that will sell for the same price as a Mega Drive cartridge. Approximately £40. Yeah. Now, I remember at the time being not fully 100% like... I knew what a 32X was. I knew that you plug it in and it makes the Mega Drive do something it couldn't do before. I was never, or really up till this day, clear on exactly what that is. And I can see why, looking back on this, if this is how I found out about it, which it probably is, because I wasn't reading Sega magazines really other than this one. All it really says is, here is a first look at Sega's Mega Drive 32X, the power-boosting add-on set for release later this year at a price of around £150. Yeah, they don't actually explain what the... That's all it says. The point of it is, yeah. It just says power boosting. And and the thing is, back in those days, terms like power boosting could be used for anything like, you know, anything all the way down to a, a joypad that had turbo mode. You know, it was that's so generic that it doesn't really tell me what the point is. I've never known what 32-bit was supposed to mean, really. I mean, we didn't know what bits were. No. You know, we just knew that they doubled each time. I mean, this is the first time, not to go out of sequence here, but over in this article about Super Street Fighter 2, they explain that 40 megabits equals 5 megabytes. I never knew (laughs) that. I've learned something today. So the 32X does 24 megabit cartridges. So that's less than this. So well, you're almost, they're almost immediately undercutting the excitement surrounding the 32X. Well, okay, so we're being told on the same page, or the same double page spread, that a game is coming out for the Mega Drive that's a 40 megabit cartridge, but also that an expansion for the Mega Drive is coming out that allows it to play 24 megabit cartridges. You see well, how it doesn't vague it, this it, is? Yeah, but it doesn't say that it allows it to. It just no, says it that doesn't the say what it allows. Yeah. What does it do? This is it. I want them to say more specifically what a 32X is. Maybe they'd have sold a few if they did. Well, if you add it together with the past news zones, isn't it basically it's got that chip in it that allows the virtual racing stuff to to, to work that way? Yeah, but not exactly that chip because virtual racing is the only Mega Drive cartridge that can't be played through a 32X. So it's a similar, it's another chip that does something a bit expandy, but I don't know what. I mean, it was all bullshit, and it was gone in a year anyway, so... Yeah. Imagine if they'd made it do something to your Mega Drive game. Something palpable, something obvious, like... Oh, like a, like the way a Blu-ray player can upscale a DVD. Make it so that certain games had just some stuff added, you know? Some extra backgrounds. Make them run a bit faster in certain cases, things like that. And then you can advertise that. But um, I don't know what it did. It just let you play some extra games, only one of which I had any inclination to play, and it, apparently it wasn't very good. I had never truly thought about it, but yeah, I don't actually know what it did. <laughs> no. They're pulling for space again this time. We've got like a, a column and a half about Syndicate from Bullfrog Productions. Do you know what I'm going to say about Syndicate? 
Well, I well, first of all, I see it's an award-winning Amiga and IBM Correct. PC compatible release. I would make the case. Um, Syndicate is set in a nightmare future where Ooh. money has proved to be the root of all evil, and oh. successful businesses have mutated into huge criminal organizations. Weird. Each one intent on shifting the balance of world power in its favor. What a terrifying thought that could would be. possibly happen. <coughs> um. Yeah. No. Syndicate, a, a big favorite of mine on the Amiga although I will in this case concede that it ran much better on PC um, but that was what it was and what we've got here is a a, a Mega Drive-ized version of it to look at it's visibly different um, to Syndicate it's kind of cuter the guys have got bigger heads you know they're, they're little stick figurey guys in the uh, well that's not true but they didn't have these big blocky cartoony heads and they certainly didn't have in the screen where you're kitting them out with guns and robot body parts you never had an anime face to look at to show you what the guys were supposed to look like in the face so um yeah it was a uh, notable for the fact that each level was essentially a city you could explore that kind of ran just it felt like it ran without you people were going about their day nothing they, nothing happened as a result of that they didn't do anything or produce anything but that's just what it looked like and that was a relatively new idea in games which of course is now commonplace mm. and expected yeah. So, yeah, Syndicate, very damn good game. If you ever get the chance to play it, I, I'll begrudgingly say play the IBM PC version on, on good old games, but uh, great game. Never played it on the Mega Drive. I realise that the, the article here doesn't really explain what kind of game it is. Yes, I, I don't know if uh, to what extent they'd be allowed to discuss what kind of game it is, because it's just a pure violence game. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, what is it it's okay. not a platformer what is it is it a strategy game is it a platformer is it a shooter i don't know how to say a genre for it because there are so few games like it what it is is it's an isometric view you have right. four agents you select it's a very much mouse based game i don't know how you play it with a mega drive but you select your four guys and you march them around this city and you gun down civilians and that's what you do. And it's always with a purpose. There's one person to seek out. Uh, I think one of the first levels is you're trying to get the scientist who's providing an enemy syndicate with good weapons or something. And if you use your Persuadertron to propaganda him via some kind of psychic beam onto your team and then protect him on the way back to base, now you've got a scientist that will help your syndicate. Stuff like that. Um, but uh, ultimately what you were doing is you were going around gunning people down and then picking up the guns they happened to be holding and going around gunning other people down and it was oh, an awful lot of fun for an 11 year old boy let me tell you setting people on fire they'd walk around going <laughs> ah ah until they dissolved into ash you could persuade tron members of the public until they formed a giant human shield around you taking bullets for you you could get in you could hijack cars and drive them around. oh that, it was yeah, great that is rather hard to describe isn't it yeah it is how much of that survived for the Mega Drive, I don't know. But they do say here, anyone familiar with the original renditions of Syndicate will be pleased to discover that the Mega Drive version features 50 new cities and missions, presenting a fresh challenge for all. Well, I, yes, I'll be delighted to hear that. I kind of want to play it now. I, I was about know. to say, sounds like you're about ready to get stuck into it right now. I am, yeah. <laughs> what else do they mention here? They also mention Theme Park is coming. Do you ever play Theme Park? Oh, God, yeah, of course. I was more of a roller coaster tycoon type. Well, you weren't an Amiga guy. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Theme Park to Roller Coaster Tycoon, and the reason is that Roller Coaster Tycoon is fundamentally the more that it, it has more to it. But Theme Park was a joke. In Roller Coaster Tycoon, you are 
building a roller coaster and managing a business. In mm. theme park, you are engaging with a satire of business. You, it's it's all parody. It's all silly. Only only sort of lightly. But so, for example, there's a part where in theme park, your staff are threatening to go on strike, and the negotiation screen is two people who you can't quite see sitting at, at either side of a desk with these two hands reaching towards each other, and as as yours goes forwards, theirs goes back, and you have to meet in the middle, and and they get the arms get so long that there are essentially like <laughs> gauges going across the screen. But the actual gauge of how much time you've got to meet hands and shake on a new deal is there's a pile of biscuits that's going down on a <laughs> on, on a plate that's the sort of game it is it's all silly yes. little wry things and of course i did play theme hospital ah yeah well then you then you yeah. uh, theme hospital the was kind of... sillier than theme bar by far oh, yeah. They'd, yeah they'd really lent into it by that time but um as i remember it anyway i actually didn't play it so i'm going mostly by reputation but yeah though i played it on the playstation and uh, as always those things work better with a mouse well sure but um theme park every all the all the people in it had big cartoon faces and things like that and that, i just connect with that sort of thing more you know sure so maybe i'll like the mega drive version of syndicate better well you can get stuck into it this evening stream a bit of that i might well i think i'd, I'd feel duty bound to stream the real one first which i also haven't done Ooh. just so everybody can compare Ooh, i may well no just because i want to <laughs> play it the only problem the only reason i haven't this is actually genuinely true the reason i haven't yet streamed syndicate is that i would feel weird streaming syndicate while not listening to the soundtrack to bill and ted's excellent adventure because i used to have it on loop while i was playing and uh i just don't know and i can't stream that so I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, you could put it on head. Well, no, you couldn't play it through headphones. Could I could I could, I could yeah. yeah maybe I could even oh yeah I could put it on my phone and like stream it on the headphones through yeah but anyway <laughs> anyway. <laughs> As we mentioned, then they also talk about Super Street Fighter 2. This is the one where they added the new characters, DJ, Kami, T-Hawk, and Fei Long. Wait, was Kami a new character? I know, right? She doesn't feel like... Like, she... Of those four Whoa. names, like, yeah. Kami, you feel like she was always there at this point in history. I Who remembers Fei Long at this point? Like, Was Kami not the Kylie Minogue one? She was. There you go. That's why I think of her as a key yeah. member of the cast. Yeah, basically. I mean, I don't... I wonder. Hmm, that's weird. I mean, she she is definitely a key member these days, certainly. Yeah. But I wonder. Hmm, I wonder. That's funny. <laughs> and when did the Street Fighter Two film come out? The nineties. The nineties. <laughs> because according to this street, this version, the one that introduced Kami, yes, came out originally in the arcade in Japan, September the tenth, nineteen ninety three. So that is the earliest time that Kami. And any other characters that I'm unaware were new for this that I just can't remember who they are was created. And I don't think the film was that long after that. No, couldn't be more than... Oh, I bet it was like at least three years, really. I bet. Let's find out. No, 1994 film, which oh, came out... next year. December 1994. Okay, so Kami had existed for one year. So I guess I am interested that that used what you might call an updated roster of characters yeah but not so interested as i think anyone listening would be interested so i'll probably not cut at all this. interested in this bit unique to the mega drive conversion are special tournament options plus a cheat for turbo mode yeah i thought that was weird why why is it a cheat i don't know is it a cheat is it a cheat where you have to know it and it's a secret or is it just turbo mode 
I don't, well, there was a turbo version of this game, so therefore I don't know if what they're actually telling us about here is oh. that turbo, or or if this is a pre-turbo version and they only made a real turbo version later and that's why it had to be a cheat now. I don't know. But it does say... And frankly, I've looked up enough stuff about Street Fighter already in the course of doing this that I care not to look any further into it. But it does say the absence of speed was the biggest criticism of the arcade original. Mm. Well, that's why they made turbo. Yeah. I presume. I don't know. If if Hey, I'm not going to read into that. If anybody knows, just tell me. The end. <laughs> it will be uh, coming to the Mega Drive as early as late August for only, only, mm. in brackets, exclamation mark, <laughs> 59.99, which is surprisingly low in the wake of Virtua Racing's high price tag. Mm. And then uh, the final section is by a writer who doesn't know the meaning of the phrase mixed bag. Uh, yeah, right. Which means that some things are good and some things are bad. Yeah, but, but here all he's is, just meant is here are three different things. There are different things. Uh, yeah, it's a mixed bag from Microprose. Three diverse releases from the Simulation King. That is F-15 Strike Eagle 2, uh, where you're in... What's an F-15 fighter? Is that a, an attack helicopter? It's a jet. It's a jet. Okay, I don't know about that. Chaos Engine, big Amiga game. Um, that's coming out presumably... Critically on... acclaimed Amiga yeah. game, it says what? here. Of course, well, they all are. They all are. Oh, of course, of course. I apologise. I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was coming out for the Mega Drive, apparently. Didn't check if it did. And uh... Tinhead, a run and jump romp with a difference. The main character is a robot trapped in a cute arcade world. Fun equipment to collect along the way includes space hoppers, jetpacks, and a handful of increasingly powerful guns. And I think we should just pause for a second there to make sure all three of these came out. Yep, I do not recognise the existence of Tinhead. I'm Tinhead it up did now. come out. It's real. Don't recognise Tinhead. Tinhead definitely has the same cover artist as Decap Attack. It does look rather like it, doesn't it? Oh, Oh, listen to this. This is the description of Tinhead. An evil intergalactic goblin named Grim Squidge. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and the chaos... Yes, all three of them came out, so that was wasted air. <laughs> now, over the page, this was right about when it go. came to my realisation that they obviously hadn't been able to secure enough advertisers for this issue. <gasps> oh, you're right. Because if you look... The only yep. adverts that are otherwise in the issue are the one for Sonic the Poster Mag and oh. one for another Fleetway publication, which we'll come to later on. Mm. So they had to fill like two extra pages because there's no ad on the back cover even either. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder what the problem was. Why weren't the advertisers interested anymore? It was uh, doing good numbers. I'm, I don't imagine it'll be a, an ongoing problem. It just seems to be something no. that affected this one. But yeah, it means we get a two-page article called Sequel Fever. Well, two page. I say one two page. page. One and a yeah. half page. Because the uh, the bottom half of the second page is an advert for yikes pencils you remember these i i passionately remember these yes this, we had some in our house too yeah these were my pencils of choice these were yeah. what i drew my comics with all through the 90s you know once they existed of course and i just think i don't i'm staring at this now and i can't think of any practical reason why this isn't still a thing <laughs> Yikes! Well, pencils. yes, we must explain for the for the yes. folks at home. They're 
completely ordinary pencils. Yep, not even colouring pencils. No, they're not. Yep, they're not colouring pencils. They're not. They're not. They're just pencils, just ordinary lead pencils. But the pencils themselves are just coloured in funny colours and patterns and shapes. It's scarcely more than that, but a little bit more than that. The shapes are physically cut out of the pencils as though they've been creatively sharpened. They are carved. The the pencils are carved into funny shapes. Yeah, stripes going down them, blobby shapes, um, checkered ones, which I think were just uh, Just coloured rather than carved. But they had shiny paint in some cases. They they were just really interesting to look at, like really mad colours. Uh, like, you know, review zone background colours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they also had um, they had rubbers on the end, but the rubbers in the case of, like, the better ones were, like, balls rather than the usual sort of just tip of the yeah. pencil is rubber. You know, almost like a cane has a ball on the top. It's a, that little, sort of thing. a little hat for little them hat. to be your pencil. It's not that these pencils were particularly... I mean, as it happens, they were good pencils as well. And they were good for drawing with. They felt comfortable. They felt, you know, the softness was just right. That sort of thing. But that wasn't the point of Yikes pencils. It was that they were in snazzy colours. And what they did was they said to the world, and they said to me, why would you ever have a boring thing when that thing can be in- adorned instead, that thing can be interesting. Yeah, there's the tagline, pencils yeah. your parents won't swipe. Yeah, and it says like blurg on it. And I think, so looking at this advert, the most revoltingly colourful range of pencils, colouring pencils and erasers on the planet have got 15p off. This is a coupon for 15p off Yikes pencils. Put yourself on a collision course with colour. Get down to your nearest Yikes stockist and buy some of the weirdest pencils and erasers you'll ever see. There are goofballs, rounds, triangles, treads and screwball pencils, colouring pencils and some really kooky erasers. It was the 90s. We were very into our outrageous neon colors yes and gross out like there's the, the, the fact that they go blurg here or that they're called yeah. yikes um that's that, the thing uh, i was i was not aware that these pencils were supposed to be too hot to handle for your parents yeah. you know i was just given these by my mum. she thought they looked nice and gave them to me and i thought they looked nice i didn't realize that there was this rebellious side to yikes pencils i just thought they were better pencils than your standard red or blue fare you know um, but uh, I, what I am going to do because it uh, because I enjoy it so much we've previously established on this podcast I am going to read out the names of the shops they're available at you can get them at <laughs> J Sainsbury's remember when they were J Sainsbury's I Maybe do not are. because I there do. was not a Sainsbury's in my town whenever <sighs> this existed ah, I think they're just Sainsbury's now maybe not maybe I haven't looked at one uh, too, too carefully recently but yeah they used to be J Sainsbury's uh, Sava Saver Center, S-A-V-A, Saver Center, John Menzies, Toys R Us, Tesco, Partners, Woolworths, and all leading stockists. Couldn't get away without a Woolworths. Oh, I need yourself a wee cigarette now after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing my legs. So yeah, we have this thrown together quickly. No, that's not fair. Do you know, I've had a complaint from the staff that sometimes I refer to things as thrown together quickly when what I mean is not very good. And I admit that I'm using it Who are to... the staff? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> said, will you stop saying that? We work very hard on everything. <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. But yeah, um, I what mean, I... I don't know, some of them things we've called tossed off quickly were 
definitely tossed off quickly. Hey, I I'm told otherwise. You know, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we'd have anyway. to we'd have to have word from Mark Miller, I think, for those mm. earlier scripts. But yeah, no. Um, well, he would be the first to admit how quickly he <laughs> them together. <laughs> I think that may be where we got the idea from. So I won't call this quickly thrown together, but it does, yes, have the air of something that they only pr- being as there's no other article like this in the history of STC before. Mm. The, uh, there's no other feature that they've done. Yes, I think you're probably right that they had to fill a page and a half. Of now, were you as annoyed by it as I was? Where it seems like we're getting an article about sequels and series, uh-huh. um, but halfway through it sneakily turns into an article about yep. sports games. It just starts talking about <laughs> sports games! Yeah. Because, and, and now... To be fair, I actually kind of connected with the reason why it does, which is that it's it's essentially going okay. I mean, if you want to illustrate why sequels <laughs> blow chunks, right? Sports games are the first place you go because it's just the same bloody thing exactly. year after because year. Because if if you've got your James Ponds, if you've got your Sonics, these are games where the sequels are significantly different games, but the sports games then as now really feel like, and I'm sure there are nuances, but they feel like. Much the same thing, but with a different kit. Probably a bit less so then than now, to be honest, simply because of yes. how much graphics and, and were coming yes. along year on year back in this time. And because literally, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a few years. I think it was maybe like one of the... It might have been like FIFA on the Wii or something. It was some some football game on the Wii. Literally was the same game two years running, but with a different skin. It literally was that. And people were comparing it and going, look, it's the exact same. They changed... Oh yeah, and they changed the direction in which the field is moan from horizontal to vertical or vice versa or something that was the difference i know even the football fans agreed that that was oh but yeah no this is an article about actually where they do differ what what are the what are the nhl hockey yeah nhl hockey do differently to each other the original then 93 and 94 and i'm i refuse to read out any of the differences i would just leave it at that i do enjoy how the article begins by explaining the idea of a sequel yes and their go-to examples of great (laughs) film sequel series are the original Star Trek movie generated five sequels Lethal Weapon featuring cop buddies Mel Gibson and Danny Glover spawned a trilogy that's it this passion on behalf of Hollywood (laughs) okay of all all the famous multi-film series I'd have gone Bond straight off Bond I mean this is the early 90s so you know Back to the Future is still very fresh in mind oh yeah you're right there Star Wars Lethal Weapon <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, but at least the article does wrap up with saying that Sonic Three is a perfect example of a sequel. The second uh, page or half page, they do actually go out on the streets and talk to some kids about <laughs> sequels. Yeah, they they go to London, and it's like this kid from London <laughs> says he tries to buy a game every five or six weeks. Chance yeah. would be a fine thing. Yeah. So listen to this. Gargan Kumar, age 12 from London, said, I try to buy a game every five or six weeks and uh, I don't mind buying sequels or continued games. Me and my friends get too good at games and we need new ones to play on. I've got all the Sonics and I've just bought NHL Hockey 94, which is an improvement on the first game. Get all in the right. bin. <laughs> And he's only 12. I've got this. I can afford a Mega Drive game every five weeks. You don't have any parents, so nah. (laughs) 
David Stevens, one year older, age 13. Much more realistic attitude about him. I don't know why games companies don't make games that last longer. To keep updating them is wrong, as they're very expensive. They could make mega games that have everything in them, so you don't need to buy the same game a few times. When I call him more realistic, I am, of course, joking. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm on his side, but... I'm on uh, his side, but the benefit of hindsight is yes, a he's, wonderful he's, thing. Dude. What he's done there is he has answered his own question extremely succinctly. And what did Adam Knight... Also 13 say, Some sequels are worth it, but some are a rip-off and don't have much new on offer. Sports games hardly change. I'd rather buy original games any day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Adam. Isn't it great how they found one extreme, another extreme, and then the one in the middle? Right. <laughs> this is my other thing, okay? Industry insiders put the phenomenon down to the fact that, quote, The games players are often too good for our games. They either master them or solve them quickly and therefore need new challenges. Oh, I... Oh yeah, Christopher Jones. Which industry insiders is that? There's a, it's it's it says industry insiders, but it's a quote clearly from just one source. The quote happens to sum up everything those three boys said a minute ago. I think that Doctor Christopher Jones may be the industry insider in question here. I don't know. This is a bit of a citation needed, is what yeah. you're trying to say. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was very suspicious of that industry insider quote. I don't think I'd buy it. Also, because what industry insider would be like, ah, yeah, our games are rubbish. Um, <laughs> everyone just masters them really quickly and easily because the children are so amazingly masterful at games, just like the ones you just interviewed. Uh, then, as you noted, it finishes by saying Sonic 3 measures up, uh, according to Chris Bynek, an editor on US Games Magazine Video Games. Great title there, lads. He commented, The designers have taken the traditional platform game and added so much that there's a lot hidden in the game that players won't find for weeks or even months. Yeah. Sounds just like what Megadroid did with the traditional <laughs> comic format. Hey! No, it doesn't. It doesn't really, no. Not but the I, slightest, actually. But I appreciated the effort. Uh, he's being yeah, nice just about to put a little STC. Put a little full stop at the end of the I, article. I suppose it's, it is true that there's lots in STC, but uh, I noticed it's, it's all there. I can see all of it really easily by turning the pages. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> hidden. He, uh, he didn't speak to this fellow, though. He's clearly just pulled this from Video Games Magazine's review mm. of Sonic 3. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a strange little article, and I was frustrated that it was deceived into being about sports halfway through, but <laughs> I enjoyed the talking with the kids at the end. And uh, if you're interested to hear more from Chris Bieniek, however it's pronounced, he seems to have a website now called videogameephemera.com, where he's, uh, well, I'm looking on his Twitter, and one of the first things is he's got a holographic Sonic 2 flicker sticker. Nice. Yeah, so I think I might find out more about him. <laughs> Tales. The Morbidden Hunt, Part 3. Written by Mark Isles, art by Casanovas, colours by John M. Burns, letters by Elita Fell. A surprise Tails is welcomed into the goblin camp by Prince Catalus, and reunited with the kidnapped Jimmy and Jilly, who turn out to be really rather enjoying themselves. Catalus, it transpires, is out to ruin his petulant sister's plans to hunt the foxes by telling them about a secret room in Castle Morbidden where she'll never find them. Unfortunately, when they all return to the castle and the hunt begins, Tails and the cubs get lost and can't find the hiding place. What more can be said that has not been said already? Um, only that you've told the story better. Um, I didn't notice the bit where... Where is the bit? Do we see him tell them about the hidden room? Or do we find out about that 
during the hunt when they say, let's find that hidden room. Bottom page two, Prince Catalyst is the brother... Blah, 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 uh, except when we go to hide, he's going to hide us so well she won't be able to find us. Isn't that a good joke? Oh! See, when I was reading it, I thought that that was them. And then Tails goes like, oh dear. I thought that that means that what's going on is... He's going to kill them. He's going to kill them. Well, <laughs> or, or he's going to deliver them to... So, okay. But, but then on page four, Tails says, all we have to do is find the hiding place Prince Catalyst told us about. Yeah, but that's where I got confused. I, I, think, I think in the next part, it turns out, yeah, he's luring them there to then kill them because he is See, evil. But we've got the first two pages. The, the kids are like, oh, we're having a big game. And it's obvious they're going to be killed in some way. There's, you know, there's skeletons everywhere. It's like they're in a nasty cave run by goblins. Tails is going, uh, this goblin's probably bad. The two kids are like, no, it's brilliant. He lets us play with his sword. I do like he the feeds panel us of up. them playing with the sword, don't yeah. you? <laughs> He's, he, it's brilliant. He's fattening us up. And then the goblin's like, we're going to play a trick. Do you want to help me play a trick? And it's like, he's going to take us to play hide and seek, but we'll never be found. <laughs> and like, then you get there and it, uh, and he goes like, oh, by the way, uh, by the way, the queen calls hide and seek fox hunting. And you're like, okay, so he's delivering them for prey to be prey. So why then do we bother having this thing where it's like, oh, where's this hiding place? I just thought that because he's he. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe when I wrote the thing, I was just informed by my memory of the last part. But no, he he is out to f with her. That that is that is the plot. So. Yeah. So okay. So there is no hiding place. I mean, there is no. There is somewhere they have genuinely got lost. They are supposed to be looking for a genuine hiding place where he will perhaps. I can't remember exactly, but he's gonna kill them then and there because he doesn't want her to have fun because it's, he hates her. This is, but he doesn't want to openly defy her. This is needlessly complicated. It's really not. You're just making it complicated. <laughs> Speaking of which, I, I I'd prefer it if the art was more complicated. Fewer of the beautiful backgrounds for me to latch onto this time it's yeah an awful lot of close-ups close ups on heads and this repeated yeah. tactic of tight head and shoulders panel where the head comes mm. out over the top of the panel so there isn't even the mm. rest of, of a panel uh, to enjoy the background of I, like there are some nice ones this this one of the um of the goblin camp with the kids at the top of page two that's very nice yep Yep, it is. Tails himself does continue to be terrible. A stuttering coward <laughs> who can't logically reason through any situation. <laughs> it never strikes me as hard as it does you until you point it out. Where's the worst example of that in this issue? Uh, first panel. I'm Tails. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's a 3T Tails and a 3I Bad start, like. Tails. Gosh. In exactly the same issue where Tails uh -huh. is cautious enough to cop onto the fact something's fishy about Metamorphia. We yeah. have the two kids who have been kidnapped in the night by goblins saying, <laughs> no, it's all grand, it's going to be a great laugh, this goblin's grand. It's a great laugh, it's going to be a good joke. And then Tails says, is it? Oh dear, oh d -d -d dear, f***ing piglet <laughs> over here. <laughs> if only Sonic were here, he'd know what to do. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. You know, I've never made the piglet comparison but that's exactly what it is. That is what Tails is in these stories. He is f***ing piglet. <laughs> yeah, this one ain't my favourite one. It's fine. That's all right. It's here. The the art is, it remains gorgeous and it remains the mm -hmm. truly the only reason to read the strip. But I, I despise this stammering child that Isles writes tales as. And Casanova's doesn't really get a chance to shine either mm, because no. it's all indoor shots and close-ups. So Every oh. panel, that gape-mouthed, slack-jawed, <laughs> idiot stare. 
Not it's not even gate mouth. It's a constant <laughs> state of mild alarm. Ah, hate it. So, I just hope that Casanovas did some European album style comics one day, so that I can go and read them and go, "This is great." Mm. Or just some better strips oh, in oh, the yeah, future. Or, yeah, all that. No, I don't care. I don't really want to see him drawing Sonic comics. I want a fantasy adventures I want. I I, I do hope he's done something like that. Tell me if you find out. I will. I can't, yeah, I we'll haven't tweet done it. yet. Just a mad We've got a pin-up here. Continuing the quest to fill pages. Yeah, Yes, it's a very boring pinup. It's a Ferran Rodriguez joint. Um, again, working off the Japanese style guide, so it's not yep. bad looking if, if it's a little boring. It's <laughs> Sonic and Tails, and that's it. It's just Sonic standing there with the finger out. Yeah, Tails standing there with the thumb up. There's an attempt at making it look like something has happened. There's a sort of smashed glass motif around the outside of the frame. Yep. But something odd about the way their shadows cast. They're like right up against a wall, but not really on a floor. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah. odd. It's a strange one. I'm, I, no, I don't really see... That is filler. Not very interesting. And also it's on the back of a comic page. So Yeah, so don't pin it up. And then facing that on the right is a full page advert for the Bugs Bunny Summer Special. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, and that's an internal advertisement. Completely. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what blacklist they were temporarily on or, or why. Hey, did they look at Streets of Rage and go like, no, <laughs> no less of that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Don't know what happened. Anyway, the in the summer special, Bugs and Daffy are on a roller coaster. Daffy's scared. Bugs is excited. They've both very visibly got seatbelts on. Do yes. not be unsafe on your holidays, children. And it says, whoa, the biggest roller coaster ride of all. And just reaching out from the uh, from the footwell, you can just tell that there's an impossibly crammed in Sylvester yeah. reaching out of a little hatch because I guess Tweety Pie is flying in front of the car. And uh, that's going to be... I actually remember these quite fondly. I don't know if I had this particular thing, but I certainly had one of the Fleetway. I had some sort of Bugs Bunny uh, magazine, and I remember it being quite good. Do you know, it's a funny question I find myself pondering recently, mm. and it's this. What happened to Looney Tunes? Like, when we no. were kids, yeah, they were the, they were the dudes. They were yeah. the ones. They were yeah, the yeah, anarchic yeah. masters of television. Those were the cartoons that were shown on TV all the time. And yeah. Warner Brothers stuff like Tiny Toons and Animaniacs dominated kids' telly. Yeah. And yeah. Disney was the saccharine uh, Mickey Mouse, that is to say, not the big movies, but Mickey yeah. and Donald and all. They were like the saccharine secondaries. Yeah. And now today, you know, Disney dominates all with new Mickey and Duck content coming out all the time. And where on earth are the Looney Tunes? Well, yeah, you're right. For a long time, these characters have been... I've certainly not noticed them as much. But then again, I suppose back in our day, the majority of our interaction with these characters who did feel ubiquitous would have been on random bits of tat in the toy aisle at a supermarket. Not me. And, I watched loads of classic Looney Tunes cartoons. Well, but I was going to say, and when they showed a cartoon on TV. Yeah. But I bet those were filler, though. I bet they were just in when they had five minutes between things. It wouldn't oh, have been I a regular slot, would it? 
I don't know, to be honest, maybe not a regular slot, but not so irregular that it ever felt like there weren't around. No. You know, they were always about. No, and of course, as late as the mid-90s, you know, What's Up Doc started, yeah, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. What's Up Doc, uh, uh, which for the uh, foreigners in the audience, that was a children's stream of programs on Saturday morning. Yeah, it was the, the ITV morning thing. That's where they showed Batman the Animated Series it, in the UK. It was indeed, and Tasmania. Yes, Although I think that was on in the afternoons as well. Yes, um, it was. But yeah, so I don't know why they dropped out of of that kind of level of fame, unless they, you know, we just aren't as in tune with what kids are into. But they're back, Chris. No, I have heard that there is something new coming up. Yeah, starting on the twenty seventh of May, which will have happened by the time this comes out, but hasn't happened when we're recording it. It's in just a few days. Ooh. A whole new series of Looney Tunes, like proper, not there's no gimmick. They aren't updated. They're just made more classic style Looney Tunes cartoons, and by all accounts that I've seen coming from the animation world, pretty good. I don't know that that's what I want. What do you want? Well, the Looney Tunes show was tremendous. Oh, is that the one that was like a sitcom? Yeah. Yeah, I love that, yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. show. Hilarious. Good, Don't use that yeah. money. You'll get arrested. <laughs> that was really good. But I guess... I, I, I don't think it I took guess. off, though. I mean, they redesigned all the characters between the first and second season, it seems. Well, I Did guess they? that says, doesn't it? Like, after the Lunatics... I guess maybe the Lunatics was... Ca- not the Lunatics. 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 The Lunatics, maybe that was kind of like it for them after that fiasco, wherever they yeah. had to redesign everything before that show started. And it's like, people, I guess, just want Looney Tunes to just look and behave like Looney Tunes always did. And Oh, and I tell you what, a couple of years ago, they did try making some CG ones, mm-hmm. which were okay. They were I okay. I remember they did some CG uh, Roadrunner stuff that's in right. the Looney Tunes show. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Actually, that might be what I'm thinking of, isn't mm-hmm. it? So mm-hmm. they've, uh, they've had a couple of goes at it, but... Really feels like we're still talking about this, doesn't it? Yeah, we can probably move on from this one page ad, but the, we, yeah. we had space to fill after the tales. <laughs> this is a noteworthy Q zone, Christopher. What's noteworthy about it's because Dizzy's in it, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not, although Dizzy <laughs> is in it. Um, no, this is possibly the first mention the Carnival Night Zone drum. The barrel. Yes. Yeah. Uh, known on the internet as the barrels here, the rotating drums. Yes. These can co- so so it's Sonic Three. General tips. Here are some things well, to do with Daniel Robertson writes in and says, oh, I yeah. recently bought Sonic Three for the Mega Drive, but have been unable to get very far, especially on Act Two of the Carnival Night Zone. Yeah, we know Please what he means. Help. Yes, I get the feeling this was cut down. So mm. that they could expand the answer to fill a whole column of text. Exactly. Um, Whenever all little Daniel Robertson wanted to know is how they get past the bloody barrel. Yeah. Um, and here's what it says. After we've, we've, we've talked about balloons, later they'll talk about spinning wheels and first boss, but under the heading of rotating drums, these can cause much grief, but there is a knack to make them work in your favour. Stand in the centre of a drum. It's the only place to stand. You lock <laughs> into them. <laughs> yep. And push up and down rapidly on your joypad. This will create large gaps, just big enough for Sonic to get through. I sort of object to that description. I don't think the word rapidly is helpful No, it's not there. necessary to push them up. I mean, if you hit it rapidly, you wouldn't. You just push it in sync with the movements of the drum. Yeah, if you push it rapidly, you're causing problems for yourself. I sort of feel as if maybe this guy doesn't know how to do it. If David Gibbon doesn't know. 
no, what I the think solution he is. I mean, he does say here he got stuck on Carnival Night too, but persistence paid off, and he managed to complete the game in the end. And then the other, only other thing I was going to mention, we so we have micro machines, we have fantastic dizzy. Uh, in which they give you a lot... I'm going to read this because I want you to know what Dizzy is like. The question is, how do I get past Seamus the Leprechaun? The answer is, and I'll read it as fast as I can... Collect the mushroom and the spanner in the countryside level, go back to the tree houses and find and collect the star plant and medicine bottle, take those to Grand Dizzy's house, place the ingredients into the cauldron, and you will receive the medicine which you give to Grand Dizzy, who will give you the dragon egg, take the dragon egg to the diamond mines where you will come face to face with a fire-breathing dragon, give him the egg, he'll let you collect the golden shamrock, and that will let you get past Seamus. Fantastic Dizzy, folks. It was needlessly complicated. I like a quest. Yeah. Jurassic Park. I do find the Jurassic Park one incredibly unhelpful. Oh, what does it say? I didn't read it. How do I kill the raptors on the last level is the question. And his response is to give you a level skip code to get to the last level and a code to give you infinite ammunition. Ah, so cheat. (laughs) Yeah, cheat is the answer. You know, if a raptor falls from the ceiling, rocket it to death. That's really helpful. I bet he wasn't shooting the raptors when he was playing the game. Like, and the screenshots that they've used is that same close-up of a raptor that we saw in the when this was first like reviewed or previewed. Um, A shot of the map, and then a brilliant story in two parts, (laughs) (laughs) which is you know human. Grant. What's his name? Grant? Alan, Alan Grant. Alan Grant. Human Alan Grant standing in front of a triceratops. And then a picture of him stood on top of the triceratops with exactly the same standing pose. It's really funny to me for some reason. Now, I didn't play Sonic Spinball, so this is the first time that I ever knew about this. Yeah. Sonic needs to pick up three of his valuable blue emeralds from these toxic dripping pinball caves. I was like, his valuable blue emeralds? And I looked it up, and yeah, they're blue. They're all blue. They are all blue, yeah. The Chaos Emeralds are all blue. I don't know if that's across the whole game or just that they level. They are. But no, no, it's all of them. Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> I find that really gross. Well, there's more than seven of them, too. Uh, so they're not really... They're not okay, so they're not Chaos, chaos emeralds. emeralds. I don't know. Still, though. We've talked in the past about the incredibly indistinct lore of the Chaos Emeralds and all that, yeah. and I become more and more sympathetic to the what I previously believed to be incredibly stupid Archie version of the story, <laughs> where there are just... Where Chaos Emeralds are just a thing that loads of exist everywhere. Oh, I don't know about that. Loads yeah. of? Yeah, well, yeah they're, well, well, on as I recall, Archie lore-wise, green uh-huh. Chaos Emeralds are what Ugh. you find on Mobius, and they're just, they're just a type of gemstone. And then all the other types of Chaos Emeralds exist on other planets. Oh, uh, no! Ian no. Flynn fixed it, of course. He, he okay. uh, co- hyper-compressed all the different emeralds to create the seven. But whenever you okay. see things like this, when you see Sonic Spinball or the weird, indistinct way that they're treated in the early game manuals, it has God. made me more sympathetic to it. Not me. What does it tell you? <laughs> what does it tell you about the Archie comics? That he had to go to great lengths to take all of these emeralds and compress them through whatever magic process it happened to be in that particular story to get to the point where they had seven Chaos Emeralds, the thing from the games. (laughs) Archie, what are you doing? (laughs) Pirate STC Part 3, written and drawn by Stephen Bliss with letters by Steve Potter. Skull seems more interested in watching television than watching Fezhead play games as Gur, Bob and Dog defend the cuddly animals against Granny 8-Ball by slipping her up with bubble bath 
while Sackhead and Flame get kitted out to square off against Vangar the Spatula Constructor. And if that made any sense to you, good luck. This strip opens. Well, they actually, I don't think we mentioned this, they all open on an FIB information file on Fezzet yes. and Skull, which is just like, you know, presented as if it's like want, most wanted. Here's basically who they are. Well, last issue, they just reprinted the the most yeah. wanted star posters from the first issue. This time, they use it to be a recap for, for the previous chapter. Yeah. But then it goes straight into, and this is, just, this is Pirate STC all over. No establishing anything. It just goes straight into a sort of sketch I don't get that steve bliss has come up with it does feel like a reference to something that i don't get the new album from mc seagull death entitled oily death is available in limited edition special oil colored black vinyl and shimmering silver oil slick cd okay I, that okay that's quite funny yes, i like that's a good that, gag those are yes. just the normal colors of those things that's quite funny but what we're looking at is two weirdly realistically drawn men hmm they're like, you know, for this art style, they're fully realistic. They look like photostats of caricatures. Yes, and they have... I don't know whether this is because they're supposed to be oily, but they have this, like, photocopied look to them. They mm. have, like, black dust-looking... It looks like it's been collaged together. Out, yeah, out of photographs, and then if you photocopy it, you get that kind of black fuzz over it. With hit songs, Make Me Tea, Ho! I don't get yeah. it. Is, what? what is that? I don't make, get it. Okay, make you make me tea. T e a dot 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 h o. Make me tea ho. What? I don't. It must mean something else, and we're not getting it. It can't mean ho. In yeah. The, in the in the pejorative sense. <laughs> yeah. And webbed feet were made for walking. Plus the number one single, Yo Ho. And there we have another ho, which makes yeah. me think it's like that. It's like Yo Ho. Was it even Yo and got typed wrong? I don't know. Like, well, Yo seems to be MC Seagull Death's catchphrase because it's the only thing they say in the in the three panels they appear in. Yeah, that's right. What three? Well, I can see two. Uh, there's another one, the fourth panel. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, and they're saying yo again. And also, by the way, one of them is jamming what appears to be a knife into the other one's head. Uh, I took that as being a guy doing it to his own head, and I think it's a chisel. Oh, you're right. You're right. The two heads swap places, so I yeah. I took that to be the other one. Yes. No, you're right. He's. It's there's something military looking about them. They're wearing yeah. oh, he, one of well, them wearing, wearing a military helmet yeah. with a medal pinned to it, and yeah. the other one is not. He's just in a cap, but it's sort of you know it's like a khaki coloured cap, and it's got what would that text be? There's text on his hat, and you would be able to read it if it hadn't been cut out and photocopied. It yeah. even looks cut out. I feel like yeah, it maybe looks, Steve. Like I said, like it looks collaged. Yeah, has Steve Bliss actually collaged this from something else he's done? It I almost looks like possible, that. Yeah. Because uh, the text it, is is grainied out as well, so you can't read it. As weird as Pirate STC is, this is yeah. the first time, and it's the only time, and even in this strip, where I actively feel like I'm not in on a joke that's being told here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like there's some bits of it work, you know. Yeah, the oily death, blacks, yeah, you know that, but. There's, it feels like there's some kind of reference here is that I'm just not getting. And the two guys aren't really pulling facial expressions particularly. It's the same drawing of yeah, them all three times. One of them, the the uh, the helmet one, is smoking a cigarette and has a like you know Fezhead style those goggles that kind of look as yeah. if they can be adjusted focus on. Like there's so much going on in one panel, none of which is congruous to any joke. Yeah. And then and then this turns out to be something Skull is watching. Yeah. 
Stop watching MTTV and watch these fights. So straight away, another little joke. MT as in empty. Yes. MTTV. God, that it's okay. Another joke. But again, th- there's something about how fast they're throwing these jokes in. It's like when I was trying to watch early days Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. It was all too quick for me to get any jokes. Well, sometimes <laughs> whenever you have a lot of jokes thrown in at once, it can be good because if one doesn't land, another one comes yeah, along a minute yeah. later, which will, well, like this next one, <laughs> where he says, you know, stop watching TV watch this skull turns away and goes well how can you play two games at once and he goes two hands <laughs> whips out the two joy pads and i'm like yeah okay that's a good joke that is a good joke um steve seems to have drawn the two joy pads just like as two ends of a sort of nunchuck like they're connected <laughs> yeah, yeah, to each yeah. other rather than anything else but um but then and then okay and then something really weird happens the two violently crack their heads together with all speed lines and crack marks everywhere so hard that skull's eyeball kind of spins round in his single eye socket like a well, roulette no, that, that's his other eyeball from his other eye that's covered by the eye patch getting oh, knocked much, over into the next eye socket <laughs> much better then and for some reason they sort of shout so skull goes one head and fezer goes but game one what? One head. Yeah, I mean, but. it's to follow on from two hands. Oh, two, two hands, hands one, head. one head. But. But. Two arms, one head, two legs. Game I don't one. know, man. It's, yeah. t- it's too frenetic, this thing. And this is before we get to the old lady cartoon who's drinking bubble bath and spitting out eight balls. Right. Okay. So look. Page two. For the first time, I can more or less understand what is happening what's on What's happening. But then I... Okay. So, so here is... I've written this down, right? Granny 8-Ball drinks bubble bath, which either helps with or is incidental to her then spitting out an 8-Ball, like in pool, which hits a rabbit, turning it, as per the rules of physics in this game, into a bubble bath bath container. The kids then catch her other 8-Balls that she's firing, saving further animals. Along with the Sonic parody character, they then grab the bubble bath container people, unscrew their heads, and squirt out bubble bath onto the floor to make Granny 8-Ball slip over, which she does, and crashes into a giant egg. Where's this egg come from? Well, that's the... I mean, that's a gag. Like, the, Why? Because next episode... Like, not to jump to the end of the story, Please but the next do. episode box says, Why has Granny 8-Ball hit her head on a large egg? Do we find out? I don't remember. I bet we don't. But I would, uh, well, th- that's entirely possible, but I, I bet I that's just I them won't. saying, why are we so weird? I won't write it off. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness me. So then, then we cut to an advert or something. No. Yeah, like, I can't tell if this is an advert or a Blue Peter style or a Blue Peter. Thing yeah, yeah, yeah. That Skull is now watching, which is about how to make an authentic superhero pig box mask um, out of a box. Time to have fun with a box. So they're making this... Well, they say pig... Okay. So what they've made is a a box onto which are taped various items to vaguely resemble a face. You've got a couple of apples for eyes, a sausage for a mouth, something for a nose. I can't really tell what that is, you know? It looks like a plug or something, but yeah. No, I think it's a plug stuck to the end. A two-pronged yeah. plug stuck to the end of a toilet roll tube. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. Sticky back plastic. And then the joke is that a dog steals the sausage and says, Sausage, which is like a nod to that sausage. Yes, that's a thing. We know British yeah. people know what that is. Well, George next door gives him sausages. You know, he comes out every Thursday with a plate of sausages, you know, and puts them on the back doorstep and Prince goes and has a good tucking. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you have on a Thursday, Prince. Yes, yes. 
And then the person in the box is really sad about that, or are they sad about having been made to be covered in things? I'm pretty sure they're sad that they have a box stuck on their head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not enjoying this thing they're supposed to be enjoying. Uh, yeah, and then the, the, the man presenter, who also kind of seems like he might be the dad of all the children in yes. the clip, leans in and says, and add a telephone wire for an authentic superhero pig box mask. What? It's not a pig. It's not superhero. This is just... It is, though. It's How? got a pig. It's got a pig's nose. It's a long tube with the two things at the end, and they've stuck toothbrushes on the head. They've stuck, they've stuck toothbrushes on the head to look like the wings on Thor's helmet. How is that a pig? How is it not a pig? It's got a snout. Yeah, but it's got Thor wings. <laughs> yes, that's why it's a superhero pig. I'm, I, <laughs> oh, Listen, I'm oh, just wait, saying, okay, I, I'm not saying it makes sense, but I am <laughs> saying I can parse the elements that have gone into this conclusion. It honestly is like... Also a curly tail. That's a pig. It's like dream logic. I mean, you got that right, that the telephone wires the pig's curly tail. It's like dream logic, but not in the way that, you know, like in Alice in Wonderland way... But in a way where, like, if we were reading Steve Bliss's mind while he dreamed, that there is, <laughs> there's the the connection between these elements. You can see how, in some some hallucinogenic way, they can be following on from one another. But goodness yeah. me, it's exhausting reading this. <laughs> I am dizzy reading this. Fantastic dizzy. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes to like a sort of because it's ostensibly a fighting game you identified that earlier than i did here is where i would identify it because then they're saying like well no it's not choose your character i was gonna say it's choose your character it's choose your weapon choose your armor and you get the two characters show up on screens surrounded by things like a pair of y fronts some chips oh my god Oh my god! See, that makes me chuckle. Like you know, it is quite funny. Sackhead's like, "I'll have the boots, the chips, and the pants, please." It's <laughs> like being flames, in a nightmare. Uh, just a space hopper. <laughs> and I, but the names of the then it's then it's the choose your enemy segment, and the names of the enemies are like Max Earwax, Robo Knickknack, Kebab Van, <laughs> Bullfrog, Bonka, oh who is the Blanka parody. We saw that's before. that's the only one I get. Are the others like jokey references, or are they just silly? Well, Bullfrog sounds like it's a reference to Balrog, but the character oh, yeah. is obviously a reference to Vega with the with the face mask. Right. Okay. Kebab Van sounds like something, but I can't place it. The other ones, Robo Knickknack, is a reference to Robotnik. To Robotnik, but does but the picture is not of anything that's a no. joke about Robotnik. Robo Knickknack is the creature who appeared in the. Soon teaser. Yeah, it's a sort of yellow bear-looking stretchy thing. Mm. God, as much like a bear as Metamorphia did. <laughs> it's, it's like um, what's it like? I don't know. It's not like anything. The speed of this and the fact that I feel vaguely threatened by it. <laughs> what it reminds me of is the trailer for that film that would have come out like a couple of years before this. Where do you remember seeing this? Where they were like. The characters in the film had, like, got zapped into their TV or something. A new TV? It broadcast programs no one had ever seen. Wednesday at 9, don't miss an all-new episode of The Silencer of the Lambs. Then one night, Roy and Helen Nabel got sucked in and discovered that hell (laughs) is one TV show after another. Let's welcome our new contestants, Roy and Helen 
they're starring in every show. Oh my God, we're cartoon. They can't go home. They can only switch channels. Where'd he go? Hey, lady, watch out! That's entertainment. Because Satan is the sponsor. Okay, everybody, head spins. Very good, very nice. Well, time to rock and roll. And they were like, they were being zapped into evil parodies of stuff, like Wayne's World, but evil. Don't miss this comedy from hell. Maybe. I don't know. God, what was that called? I can't look it up because I can't remember. Stay tuned. Where have you been? But it's that sort of thing. Well, I mean, that's exactly what we are supposed to be doing, is channel hopping between four different things. There's a different thing on each page. We're flicking through scary parodies of things where you're not necessarily aware of what it's a parody of all the time. I wonder if Steve Bliss wrote that film. (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) God, honestly, I'm exhausted. And that's it. They They get to the choose your enemy screen, and then they've chosen their enemy, and that's Kind of it. Um, yeah. You laughing at me, Sandus? <laughs> says Vanguard as they get ready to fight. See, I'm the kind of person who laugh at Vanguard, the spatula constructor, and that's all I need. <laughs> okay, in, just because it's a silly sequence of words, or yes. is there a joke? No. Yeah. Just because it's a silly sounding thing. I'm between because I would joke, uh, particularly then at that age, I would have laughed at jokes where it's just silly and random. But this purports itself as if it's all j- jokes about things like. You know, like Bunker, like Blanka. So I can't help but go like, what do I not know about Street Fighter? Does someone have something like a spa? It's like, okay, it's like Steve Bliss saw something, made a pun on it, made a pun on that, and we're like three puns down the line, and then he draws it, and we're supposed to get it. <laughs> See, your problem is you're trying to make sense of this. You gotta yeah. just let it. You gotta let it wash over you. I can't. It's too scary. If I let, <laughs> if I let, you're myself... afraid his skull's gonna come out of the comic and snatch you away and take you to the mouth of mission. If you let your guard down, it's the way they're drawn. I maintain, especially in the Blue Peter scene, that I still think they look like kind of dodgy puppets flailing around on. Some I can sort see of... it obscure you know russian tv channel or something i and can like... definitely see it but the first panel on that page of the family is definitely like the most again it's the sort of thing we compared to the adventures of mighty mouse looking yeah. hideous uh, exaggerated ugly cartoons yeah and it's all deliberate i'm not really criticizing it it's mm. oh it's all very much on purpose this is steve bliss is an auteur <laughs> I'm going to say that much about him. That seems authentic. This is exactly what he wanted to make. Next episode, are Sackhead and Flame a match for Vanguard? Why has Granny Eightball hit her head on a big egg? A big egg. <laughs> no, it it says large egg, but yeah. A right royal feast next, and then does yours <laughs> have the same problem as mine? Yeah, and I don't actually yeah. think it's a problem. It says <laughs> he's written next week 
But it's going to be two weeks. It's Fortnite. That's the thing. Because the word week, clearly once written in white like the rest of the text in this box, yes. has been essentially just scribbled out. But, yeah, in purple. But, but not in a way where I think it's a joke. I think no, they did they it. They genuinely tried to cover that week <laughs> up and just goofed on it. Yeah. Yeah. But then they didn't replace it with issue, issue or, or anything. Fortnite yeah, they just or... took the word out. Yeah. And look. Here at STCTP, we can relate. We are always saying next week by mistake. That's true. And we don't fix it. <laughs> no, no. I've fixed some of them, but many of them I've left in. And like, so I get it. But replace it, guys. I, I do remember getting a good hearty cackle out of this uh, yeah. little safety announcement at the very end. Warning, do not drink bubble bath. It tastes disgusting and slimy. <laughs> Try shampoo. At least then, while you're drinking, you can wash your ingrowing chest hairs. <laughs> that's a good joke. I, I, I'm I'm prepared to say that's three good jokes. <laughs> At least, well, that's almost one per page. No, I mean in that box alone. Oh, right. Don't drink bubble bath. Safety warning. No, it's just because it's disgusting and slimy. Joke one. Two, try shampoo. And then three, you can wash your ingrowing. That's, that's a joke-packed box. That, yes, it's good. Good job, Steve. Jenna Whedon in here to uh, speak out against sentiments Mm. expressed in recent issues. Contrary to what other STC readers may think, I feel that Tails should not be featured in his own strip. After all, it is Sonics, so if people insist on more Tails, why not make a Tails comic? At least I wouldn't have to spend my money on a lot of Tails junk. Well. Strong opinions. Nasty, nasty, Jenna, says Megadroid. It was due to the demand from boomers which resulted in the Tails strip. Do you know, that bit... It's so what he's written is nasty comma nasty comma Jenna. I wondered about that for a while because I think what he was going for is like nasty nasty Jenna, you know? No, the way I just said it. Yeah, yeah, and I think he should have put a hyphen between them because the way he's written it is just nasty nasty, nasty Jenna. Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You horrible horrible child. Some spiky fans responded by demanding further Sonic strips, which is why STC will feature more stories from Sonic's world in the near future. Oh, little little foreshadowing there that we're about to turn Sonic's world into just another Sonic strip. Mm. All this backs up my theory that there's no pleasing the humes of your world. And yeah, mm. imagine some of the letters they must have received like this. Yeah. What else do we got? Um... God, I'm literally dizzy from <laughs> from Pirate STC. Pirate STC. It, I'm buzzing like i've just come off a roller coaster you need to calm down i do it's not that it's not worth it <laughs> i need to have a digestive to get some of my uh my i was gonna say like my i don't know didn't know whether to say blood sugar or i'm just gonna go with my blood digestives <laughs> yeah oh. your crumbs Adam Smith from Broxburn uh, writes in with a bunch of questions leading to the thing being titled Mastermind. What on earth or Mobius is an echidna? Uh, what is the difference between an aardvark and an anteater? Like, that doesn't seem like a question for STC. No, and also he's anticipating the answer to the first question. Yeah, because... Because the answer is, it's a spiny anteater, they've already yeah. said. <laughs> so then he asks, what's the difference between an aardvark and an anteater? And Megadroid gives him a straight answer. The aardvark, or ant bear, differs from the anteater in that it doesn't have the characteristic spiny coat. And then the third question, what's the bio key which is mentioned in Eternal Champions? <laughs> There's not a logical flow to these questions, and Megadroid explained that it's a form of technology combining biological and mechanical elements. Now, how about some difficult questions? <laughs> Hang on. His answer to the first question can't be right, can it? What's an echidna? What? A collective name for... Are you ready for this, spine? boomers? An echidna, and he puts, in brackets, pronounced 
E-K-I-D-N-A. Echidna. So yeah, yeah, it makes you think it's Echidna. But here's where I first found out it was Echidna, not Echidna. Um, yeah. An Echidna is the collective name for a porcupine, spiny anteater, or knuckles. The word Echidna is not the collective name for a porcupine. Uh, it is not. Um, is it? It's not the classification. A porcupine isn't a sort no, of I'm echidna. Just, no, no, superficially, they, I'm just reading Wikipedia. Superficially, yep. they resemble the anteaters of South America and other spiny mammals such as hedgehogs and porcupines. So superficially. So they're not even actually related at all. What's your opinion of Lindsay Whitaker of Warrington? <laughs> um, she's okay, but she smells a bit. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, you mean, do I think that she's... Well, yes, you, you've you seen where I was going with this. My parents <laughs> organised a special Mega Drive party for my last birthday. All the guests were requested to bring their Sega games with them, and we all had a cool time swapping games. No, I don't think it's that bad, actually. I think that's no, okay. No, I don't know, but it just seemed like you might enjoy it. Assuming that it had been pre-established that all her friends have Sega games. Like, and if it, if you're only allowed, you know, they're turned away at the door if they haven't got the latest... <laughs> they haven't got the Mega Drive. Yeah, if they haven't got Virtua Racing, you know. But um, that's interesting. So, uh, presumably we're not talking about keepsies. Presumably we're talking about they all go home having borrowed different games off each other to then reconvene. Or maybe they all back. brought their Mega Drives as well. Or maybe yeah. Lindsay had lots of Mega Drives. Mm. They all played on one each. <laughs> But Megadroid replies, what happened to Blind Hume's buff and cake swapping? Cake what swapping? Is cake swap? Good, okay, right. I thought that was some <laughs> Brit thing you were going to have to tell me about. I mean, I think it probably just means bringing cake to a birthday party or giving out cake at a birthday party. It must do because the phrase cake swapping is not turning up any activities on Google. The last one is a rather lovely one there from Matthew Crawford of Helensborough. Towards the end of last year, I was admitted to hospital due to a relapse of leukemia. Oh my, God, my younger yeah. brother Martin donated some of his bone marrow and I underwent a transplant operation. While I was recovering, I occupied my time by reading STC and I even managed to draw a picture of Sonic. See above! And we do have Matthew's yes. picture up there too. It's, uh, it's him going down the thing from the Sonic CD intro. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, you know, know when, he's, was... when he's stood on the tall thing that Amy got trapped on and then he goes ah, down. Ah, right, right. Yeah. It was a popular screenshot of the time. It was in that uh, Sonic 2 guidebook. <laughs> ah, that'll explain it then. And Megadroid says, Hope you're up and running as fast as Sonic these days, Matthew. It warms my circuits knowing STC helped to cheer you up. And well done, Martin, for being such a right-on Hume. That's nice. That's you so, like a letter. You that's like a letter so like cool. That. I hope you're still with us, Matthew Crawford. If you are and you're out there, give us a shout. Yeah. And then one other piece of fan art, it's Streets of Rage, and it's, again, I've tried to describe this before, maybe I'll just post this on the Twitter, it's drawn in that cartoon style yeah, that 10 yeah, year old was, boys was, drew in. That's what I was thinking of, it's drawn in the Normie's Beach Babarama style. Yeah, right, I'm trying to think what it's from. Did everyone copy it from whatever cartoonist Normie's Beach Babarama was supposed to be? Because I saw so many, there was one um, episode of, um, God, what was it? Well, it was probably wrong. Where there was a kid who was sort of being mentored by someone from Cosgrove Hall or something, and they were using a computer to make an animation. On the computer yeah. in the 90s. Exactly. So it might have been a bad influence, and they might have been using animation software. But whoever this kid was, they were making this cartoon about a little magician or something, and it was drawn just like this. 
And we've had it before in STC. What I should do is go back over every single flipping issue and find out if it was the same kid. And if I have simply got the impression that multiple kids drew like this, and it's all the same kid. Well, this is the one he did the picture of Porker and Tails, didn't he? Yes. The one you're thinking of. Yes. I doubt it's the same guy. So it's the big balloony eyes, big balloony nose. I drew like this. Kids I knew drew like this. I think we all did, yeah. Where did it come from? Because it's not... I don't know. I don't know where it's from. Anyway, that's Javier Cazo. Do you think? Cazot Cazo. From Wilby Northlands, Mega Drive owner. Sonic Water Fun Game winner. So that takes us to the end of the issue, but once again, the next issue bit is not where it lives. Inside the back cover, we have the subscription coupon here again. Do we have a next issue bit? We do. It's on the very back cover. Yes, although that's sort of just for one aspect of the next issue. It is, but they also turn it into basically an ad for for, for the next issue. Yeah. Again, probably because they didn't have any advertisers to Uh, put ads in the thing, so they they, uh, stuck the subscription coupon in uh, with this one. Yeah. Forget Fantasy Leagues. STC 31 brings you the real thing. It's Mutant League. It's uh, coming to the comic next i'm quite looking forward to this one yeah me too what we've got is a full page picture of well actually they've used a neat little trick to cram a lot of stuff onto this page haven't they Mm. we've got three people on a kind of holodeck looking platform one of them is some we're seeing them from behind one of them is some sort of orc one of them looks human but with like what massive glasses on and one of them is a kind of alien that's got big tentacles instead of legs but they are looking up at Loads of cool-looking angled screens that are showing various scenes of the sport that Mutant League yeah. concerns itself with, which appears to be a sort of... Oh, it'll be American football, will it? Um, yeah, uh, there's... Uh, if I remember right, that character's name is Bones Jackson in the middle there. He's like the lead character. Down at the bottom right there is the coach of his team, uh, Coach Bricker, whose head explodes off his shoulders when he gets worked That's up. That's what we're looking at here, yeah. Yeah, he's a Jonah Jameson type. Yeah, uh, gold dirty! Gold breaking, get me pictures of Spider Man! Poof, off goes his head. head flies up. Yeah, I remember that specifically because the story is called Bring Me the Head of Coach Bricker. That's the name of the strip. <laughs> right. This is a good drawing and it makes me look forward to seeing what the comic looks like. Have you seen this quote though? Yes. Imagine American football played in Beirut on a bad day by a bunch of homicidal maniacs and you're halfway to describing the most outrageous sports strip since the Arsenal kit of the 1990s. Wah wah. Well that's a lot to unpack, but it's the imagine American football played in Beirut. <laughs> not not only a topical reference of the time, although one that has had legs, but also like completely inappropriate (laughs) rather yes (laughs) that was a very serious war i think it was on a temporary reprieve at the time of a couple of years maybe they thought it had all finished but like i don't know much about it the main thing i remember is the bit in uh in um gremlins 2 where they won't let a reporter in to report on the gremlins and and he's like hey you gotta let me in i've been to beirut and that was no other no other qualifications. That meant you were an incredibly like hard ass reporter who does serious things. Well, they say tragedy plus time equals comedy, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote from Zalgor Prig, the MFL chairman, who, if I remember right, is that tentacle fellow uh, on the left. Oh, and I've just noticed it's not Beirut; it's Beirut. They've put the eye in the wrong place. Beirut. Oh, they spelled it wrong, and neither of us noticed until now. Mm. Doing well. 
Mutant League blasts off in STC 31 on sale 23rd of July 1.10. Reserve your copy now. And then down at the bottom you see Mutant huh? League Copyright Electronic Arts Limited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really needed to... This must have been the first thing they've done that wasn't published by Sega. Yeah, and, and I wonder if they were... Did they, uh, after this, go, oh, we like that? You know, is this them... In get like, like we've scored a hit. Now more people will come to our door. You know, working yeah. out the fundamentals of how to legally do it and please everybody. Or is it just perfectly normal? But they just had to put a copyright notice on because that's what they wanted. I don't know. Do they do it again? Mm-hmm. So that's what's coming next issue. So you can either reserve your copy uh, as long as you exist in the July of 1994. If you're in 2020 like us, then you might have to listen to the next podcast, which comes out in two weeks' time. And until then, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, where please, if you haven't done already, go and give us a review. It really helps. It makes people listen to us who hadn't thought of it before. But mostly we just sort of like it and we get very warm, tingly feelings. Or, if you don't like them apples, you can download the MP3s directly from stctp.wigglehee.com where, if you're extremely impatient, they actually appear first by, you know, I don't know, a few minutes each weekend on Friday mornings here in the UK. You can follow us on Twitter. There's the podcast itself is at Sonic podcast we did manage to get that uh, and we're also on there individually i am at chris mcfeely and i am at demon tomato dave and we're both under those names on youtube as well where you can watch chris's transformers the basics series and i've got another podcast serious disney about animation that you might like uh, if you'd like to support the podcast you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash stctp we are working towards getting some actual rewards up there uh, hopefully sometime in the near future thanks to everybody who has supported us thus far without any and to appear in our speedlines mailbag you can write or record your voice and send it to stctpodcast at gmail.com our opening theme was synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band, who you can support by visiting sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. They're Sonic the Comic The Band, but this has been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we will see you next, next time. time. Next week, scribble, 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 scribble. scribble, scribble. <laughs> <laughs>